Tuesday, the 29th of August, the Feast of the Martyrdom of St. John the Baptist. Let's pray a portion of his litany together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. John the Baptist, precursor of Christ, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, glorious forerunner of the Son of Justice, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, minister of baptism to Jesus, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, burning and shining lamp of the world, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, angel of purity before thy birth, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, heavenly contemplative whose element was prayer, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, gloriously fulfilling thy mission, pray for us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. John the Baptist, I know we said it a lot already this morning, but pray for us on this, the Feast of the Passion of St. John the Baptist. This is the day that we mark his martyrdom. He, his birthday is on the calendar as well, so he's one of the few people who we, we get to talk about his birthday and talk about his birthday into heaven. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we'll check in with Father Boniface Hicks to talk about the Jesus Prayer. We've been going through his book, Personal Prayer, and looking at different forms of prayer and how to implement them. Marlon De La Torre will join us from the Diocese of Columbus. Also, Father Thomas Berg. Uh, we'll, uh, well, who knows what we're going to have to say about John the Baptist. There's a lot to say about John. He's got lots of patronages. He's got lots of interesting encounters throughout the course of his ministry. Trust me, we're going to get to a lot of it. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Morning. Florida residents are bracing for Tropical Storm Idalia. The National Weather Service has hurricane warnings and storm surge warnings in effect for nearly half a dozen counties. Other parts for nearly half a dozen counties. Other parts of the region are under tropical storm warnings, hurricane watches, or tropical storm watches. The NWS expects Idalia to make landfall tomorrow as a major hurricane. Former President Donald Trump will be arraigned in the Georgia election interference case next week. Mark Mayfield reports. A Fulton County Superior Court judge has scheduled the arraignments for all 19 co-defendants in the case for September 6th. Trump will be the first to be arraigned at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. He will then be followed by the 18 other co-defendants in 15-minute increments. Trump and the 18 other co-defendants face charges over alleged attempts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election. I'm Mark Mayfield. Maui Police Chief John Pelletier is responding to criticism about barricades that were set up in Lahaina. Some reports say the barricades caused traffic congestion, trapping more people in the town as it burned on August 8th. The, share, the chief says there were barricades, but only in areas where there was already extreme danger. That included downed power lines, which the chief says would have killed people if they drove over them, or fire that had already engulfed the area. Pelletier says Front Street was blocked off once it was on fire, but no one was impeded from leaving the area, he said, only from going into certain dangerous places. In Michigan, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood have unveiled a legislative agenda for this fall as they seek to get state lawmakers make, to make access to abortion easier for women in Michigan. They want to repeal the state law 
mandating someone wait 24 hours before obtaining an abortion and repeal laws that limit insurance coverage of abortion. Right to Life of Michigan has blasted their proposals. The journal La Civita Cattolica has published the transcript of the Pope's recent meeting with his fellow Jesuits in Portugal when he was there for World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Throughout World Youth Day in Lisbon, the rallying cry for an all-embracing church resonated powerfully with the words todos, todos, as he stressed that the church has space for everyone. The Pope reiterated his call to embrace homosexual people within the church. He critiqued the disproportionate fixation on sexual transgressions, noting that other so-called offenses often remain overlooked. The Pope also recounted an encounter with a group of transgender individuals who were moved by tears by the Pope's acceptance and empathy. He underscored the necessity of reaching out to marginalized communities who often grapple with feelings of rejection, and he accentuated the significance of empathy and compassion. Addressing critical global concerns, Pope Francis conveyed deep apprehension over the persistent prevalence of wars since the conclusion of World War II. He spotlighted the contemporary state of global affairs and underscored the imperative of seeking peaceful resolutions. The dialogue delved into tensions existing within the church, including reactionary attitudes and resistance to the tenets of the Second Vatican Council. The pontiff acknowledged the intricate challenges posed by those who scrutinize Vatican II without explicitly naming it. He underscored the dynamic nature of doctrinal evolution and expounded on the notion that church doctrine is not an unchanging monolith, but rather an evolving entity. He invoked historical instances such as the changing perspectives on the death penalty, nuclear weapons and slavery to illustrate the fluidity of doctrine over time. Pope Francis expressed apprehensions about the encroachment of excessive worldliness into religious life. He cautioned against compromising core values with the allure of worldly ideologies. Finally, Pope Francis conveyed his anticipation regarding the impending synod. He clarified that the synod wasn't his brainchild. Instead, it aimed to restore synodality within the church, a concept first championed by Pope Paul VI. He also emphasized that the driving force behind the synod was the Holy Spirit. I'm Francesca Merlo. And that 200-year-old West Point time capsule opened yesterday turned out to be a bust. The small lead box found in May in the base of an 1829 monument was met with great fanfare. What could be in it, they thought. As it turned out, nothing but silt, according to the scientist who examined the box. So is that because something disintegrated or because somebody played an elaborate 200-year prank. Well, this is a very good question, Matt. I mean, that we, how are, how prank. could we ever know? It was at the base of an 1829 monument. Maybe there's some letter somewhere. Maybe the somewhere. box itself was the treasure. That's Maybe the real treasure was the friends we made while we were digging it. That's really beautiful, Matt. Really beautiful. I, <laughs> did you ever do a time capsule thing? Um, No. No, never have. I seem to vaguely remember that kind of thing going on when I was in high school. I think somebody threw like a troll doll or something in there. Yeah. I don't know. Neat. Trolls. Problem is, is that, you know, none of that stuff ever really went went away because they've got like corporatized versions of all of it. Well, yeah, and it like it all comes back after like 10 or 15 years, you know, when generations... Now none of it ever goes away. Do you know how excited I was when I saw a caboodle in a store? And I was like, my child must have this memento of it was probably my made, childhood. Probably made last year. Right. That's what I mean. Like, oh, 
Roma can have something that I had that was so important to me as a child. It's, it's a great never, marketing technique. It works. Never went away. It even worked on me. Oh, well. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks. He is the author, along with Father Thomas Acklin, of Personal Prayer, a guide to receiving, a guide for receiving the Father's love. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. So I was thinking through this uh, not long ago, and I think that out of all the prayers that I pray, the devotions that I've been involved in, uh, almost without thinking about it, the Jesus prayer is probably the one that I go to the most. <laughs> For those listeners who don't know exactly what the Jesus prayer is, uh, if you could uh, just lay it out. It shouldn't take long. Yeah, that's right. The The Jesus prayer consists very simply of uh, a, a short sentence, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, or some slight variations of that. But the the idea is uh, to let those words, again, uh, prayer is, is not so much about saying the words themselves. I always like to say, you know, my, my phone is actually pretty good at praying morning prayer, and uh, it's not getting holier by doing that. Uh, but, you know, you can you can just have the, uh, the phone read prayers, and uh, that doesn't make the phone holy. So it's not so much about the words themselves, but what they're connected to. And obviously the, the heart of the Jesus prayer is that simple call to the Lord, knowing our deep dependence on him, recognizing who he is as Lord, and knowing that he uh, comes primarily to bring us mercy and that his mercy is always available to us. And so it's a way of uh, repeating a prayer many times and praying it hundred times, a thousand times in the the way of the pilgrim, 6,000 times a day, um, you know, that, uh, that's done for the sake of keeping the connection with Jesus as constant as possible. Well, and it's a prayer that uh, a lot of Catholics pray, but it's not unique to Roman Catholics, right? I mean, this is something I know a lot of Protestants uh, who use the Jesus prayer. Of course, the East is really where you see the Jesus prayer um, as, as very much a thing. Uh, I got a hermit friend who this is his favorite prayer. <laughs> you know, this is this is a prayer that that uh, cuts across categories. I mean, it's it's based pretty much directly on scripture and it's it kind of to the heart of what it means to say that you're a Christian, right? Lord Jesus Christ, you're saying that he's Lord. Have mercy on me a sinner. You're confessing your sins and your needs for him. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, that's right. And uh even there's there's always a, a sort of impulse to explain it, you know, just as you have done and I have just done, you know, we sort of pick apart the words and why are they there? And but uh, again, ultimately, it becomes pretty quickly not unlike the uh, the Hail Mary, which is obviously much longer, but uh, it becomes pretty quickly just a simple connection. We we start to associate the words so closely with that, uh, you know, I would say really felt connection, the a movement of the heart that. Uh, as soon as I pick up my my chotki, the little prayer rope on which uh, might, I might have a hundred knots and go through those, as, but as soon as I pick it up, it already makes the connection. Jesus is that close to me. As soon as I start to say the words, it makes the connection. Jesus is that close to me, and then it also gives me permission, not because I'm perfect, but because I need Him and because He loves me. And so a lot of those things are just become very automatic or very. Uh, immediate, I should say, 
in in a, a way that we can sustain. And it becomes uh, as the the way of a pilgrim is kind of the. Uh, and, and I quote it fairly extensively to describe the, the movement of the Jesus prayer in, in the chapter on personal prayer that we're talking about. But the, the way of a pilgrim describes in, in very accessible ways how we can take up this prayer and it becomes almost a, a sort of constant hum, a constant background, a constant presence, uh, as, as present as our, our clothes that we're, on the one hand, very aware of, and on the other hand, we completely forget about. And that's uh, the way that prayer also becomes, and, and uh, the presence of Jesus, our relationship with him, also becomes constant. Uh, and, and yet we can do other things at the same time. So it doesn't have to be a, a, a fixed concentration, but really a, a stimulating of a constant awareness of, of God's presence. You know, there's no perfect analogy to try and explain this, but I bet you there are people who have had their cup of coffee with them for the course of this interview. And if you were to ask them how many times they've taken a sip of the cup of coffee since you started talking and I started talking, they might not know. But take that coffee out of the picture, you know, for that time, and they would feel like, man, something big is missing in my world, (laughs) you know, for this seven-minute stretch, right? And, you know, I sometimes find myself you know, leaning on the Jesus prayer in this way, like, you know, not keeping account, all right? But, uh, you know, I see something come across my feet, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what should I do about this? Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I sort of, like, lean on it when something pops up uh, in my world uh, in any kind of form. And at the end of the day, I couldn't tell you how many times I've prayed the prayer, but I could tell you that I leaned on it and that I would not have been able to get through the day without it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great analogy. I really like that. Uh, and I was actually drinking coffee while we were talking as well. How many times did you count? <laughs> I, can't, I don't know. <laughs> I finished it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great analogy. It's it's one of those things that becomes part of the fabric of our of our interior life and a, and a constant connection that tells us how, in fact, God, how present God wants to be to us and how much He wants us to be aware of of His uh, His love for us through everything, in everything, at all times. And in, in a simple way, bringing our entire life into relationship with God is a way we can describe holiness. And we have a temptation to leave out certain parts of our life as if they're not worthy of God or not that important. But it, it cuts across our relationship with Him, envelops everything in our life. And again, it's not that hard to memorize. So there you go. Even if you miss a word here or there, you're still in the in the framework of it. Uh, a lot of people, a lot more simple than us, a lot less literate than us, have memorized this and leaned on it pretty hard. So it's a great prayer. I love the Jesus prayer. But uh, the book is called Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. It's by Father Boniface Hicks. I encourage people to check it out at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Boniface, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. Thank you. All right, quarter past. We got headlines with Anna Mitchell right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and 
puts the money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Now there's a fast and easy way to get in touch with EWTN. The EWTN Everything Number. Call 1-800-447-EWTN to get the latest information on programming, special events, pilgrimages, and more. You can even make a donation. Our EWTN Family Viewer Services representatives are ready to help you with whatever your needs may be. The EWTN Everything Number. 1-800-447-EWTN. EWTN. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Florida residents are bracing for tropical storm Idalia, which the National Weather Service expects to make landfall tomorrow as a major hurricane. The journal La Civita Catolica has published the transcript of the Pope's most recent meeting with fellow Jesuits in Portugal when he was there for World Youth Day. And the Holy Father yesterday called for support for those who fall into drug addiction. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Happy feast day of the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist. Do you know anybody named Beheaded? I do not. No? Oh, okay. There's a Christian metal band back in the day that was called that, though. Neat. Um, I I have a a nephew whose birthday is today, and his name is Louis. So happy birthday, Louis, if you happen to be up listening. But um, I really tried to push for some sort of, you know, Lewis beheading of John the Baptist kind of that'd be, that'd middle be quite name, the but they didn't quite the that. They didn't go with my Forerunner? You, put because... in, you couldn't put Forerunner? <laughs> precursor in the name? Oh, that's a neat idea. Yeah, see, like, Freddie, he was born on the feast of St. John Chrysostom, and so he's Frederick John. Okay. So... I mean, he's also named after my uncle, who was Fred John. So it I'm worked out nicely, looking, but... See, this is where I get into stat casts. So oh, I there's, uh, there's several Batistas in the, uh, in the oh, pipeline. Yeah. In, the, in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. There is a Juan Batista who is playing for the Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. Let's see. born Ah, he's born January 9th. Oh. How cool would it be if you were if your name was Juan Batista, but your your birthday was today? That would be super cool. Well, you think of like the uh, the patriarch of Jerusalem. His name is uh, Cardinal Pierre Batista. Pierre Batista Pizzabola, mm-hmm. which I'm Pizza just hungry Bala. saying his name. Bala, not bola. Pizza so Bala. It sounds like pizza ball. Pizza ball. Sorry, there's a there's a restaurant around in, in the D.C. area, Pizza Bolis, and that causes me to mispronounce <laughs> his name all the time. Pizza Bolis. <laughs> That is pretty good. That's At pretty good. Rate, so I was going to say happy feast day to all our Puerto Rican listeners because the island that has become 
named Puerto Rico used to be called the island of San Juan oh, because yeah. of its connection to St. John the Baptist. But now the capital of Puerto Rico is San Juan. But it's still connected, still connected to St. John the Baptist. So anybody who is uh, either listening in Puerto Rico or listening in on the mainland but has Puerto Rican roots, you get to claim this feast day too. Happy feast day. Happy feast day. We'll go through more of the patronages as the morning continues. But in the meantime, St. John the Baptist, pray for, pray for us. us. It's 21 minutes past the hour. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Dr. Paul Kingor will discuss his book, The Worst of Indignities, The Catholic Church and Slavery. Laura Picciotti Bear will talk about parental rights and religious freedom. I'll reflect on the life of St. Augustine of Hippo, the frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. A Mass with the Anointing of the Sick will be held on Labor Day, September 4th at 11 a.m. at St. Antoninus Church in Western Hills. If you are seeking physical, emotional, or spiritual healing, we encourage you to come or to stand in for someone who is in need. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated, stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Made of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Made, a clean you can trust. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Marlon De La Torre from Knowing is Doing. And he, of course, is with the Diocese of Columbus, where they listen on St. Gabriel Radio. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Go Bucks. All right, so I know uh, through my wife's connection, she's in Catholic education. And, uh, mm. of course, my son goes to a Catholic school. I get to overhear all kinds of great conversations about Catholic ed philosophy. And, you know, this is a big question, this idea of what is it that you're doing in a classroom? Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, what is it that you're passing on? Mm -hmm. As a Catholic school teacher, how should we be looking at these questions differently? You know, it's the the academia in any Catholic educational environment is, tends to basically take precedent over anything else. And, and and when you think of a school, whether it's Catholic or, or, or non, that that is uh, the first thing on someone's mind. All right, how effective is the academics? Um, what are we doing to help the child learn? Um, what are the processes or methods or, or the pedagogies uh, being developed to, to help the child just understand uh, the world? 
But w when you look at a Catholic school uh, scenario and its foundation, its premise, really it, everything is embedded in the, the understanding that they are a child of God. That there, there is a, a sense of an anthropology there. And a Catholic school, first and foremost, is really trying to make the connection between the child and his relationship with Jesus Christ and that he view himself as indeed a gift from God. And so that sets the stage for us as teachers to do that. And uh, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we're, we're so embedded in making sure we have the academics set or that we are uh, looking at the well-being of the child strictly from one lens only. And we tend to forget the fact that well, a, a Catholic school by nature is an introduction into salvation. And that is part of the premise of a school. So uh, a teacher, every time he or she walks into a classroom and the child enters into their foray, uh, really they're part of that conduit to uh, guide that child towards a relationship with our Lord, albeit whatever through whatever academic discipline they may be teaching that child that day. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I've uh, you know had a sort of like a, a back row seat to a lot of different Catholic schools mm -hmm. um, because of you know, my family being involved in Catholic education. Yeah. And what's fascinating to me is that you've got really on fire uh, religion teachers. Uh, yeah. You know, you always have a mix of things, right, in a religion mm -hmm. department. You got a mix of methods, a mix of <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, but everywhere I've gone, there's always been kind of a contingent of really strong Catholic models and witnesses who are mm -hmm. willing to lead the rosary and show up at the Bible studies and mm -hmm. be there on the front row at every school mass and that stuff who are physics teachers or security guards or coaches or people who are not teaching theology mm -hmm. in terms of like the, the discipline that's been assigned uh, to Correct. them or the, that they've been trained in. And I've always found that that's kind of the mark of a health of a school. If you get the people who aren't teaching religion classes mm -hmm. taking the lead on that stuff, mm -hmm. you got something good going. You do. The, the, the environment in itself and, and basically the disposition or behavior of the teacher is crucial. Whether you're the janitor, whether you're the coach, whether you're the guidance counselor, you're absolutely correct. And when that's fostered, then it becomes contagious, obviously. And then you, you see a child mimicking in a good way the habits of someone else. I mean, the greatest example I can give you is when one particular uh, uh, administrator who, who wasn't a, a teacher per se, but just was there to assist, would just welcome and encourage the staff, uh, have, you, have you talked to our Lord? Have you got a confession? I mean, he was very open about it. And that became just really a, a rallying cry for many who just needed to hear that at that day. And he always knew when to ask. He was never um, imposing that question. He just knew and had a sense, all right, this person needs to hear this today. And so when you establish that environment and people see it, it, it it's really a, a wonderful thing to see. And it just fosters a, a beautiful sense uh, or a beautiful reality, excuse me, of who Christ is, what the church is, and what is the premise of a Catholic school. So when you got that going, you know, people might say, I'm not here to, I'm not here to evangelize kids. Mm -hmm. I've got to teach them a, a class. But if that's the way you're living, if that's the, the thing that's sort of coming out of you, if that's what's written all over your face, then mm -hmm. no matter what you're teaching, the kids are going to pick up on that stuff from you. Absolutely. I tell teachers all the time, especially newbies who are preparing for their first year of school when I've done teacher training for years, I said, keep in mind, children know when you're lying and they can read you very clearly and they can read your disposition. So they will turn you off immediately. And I caution teachers because children want to be taught truth. 
they, they can't stand fallacies, even though they themselves will lie to us to our face, they don't want to be lied to. That's the irony of a student, especially at the high school level. And when a teacher's presenting that disposition that, you know what, I'm just here to teach you. I could care less about your soul or you can care less about whether you learn about Jesus Christ. I'm just here to make sure you guys learn. That's what I'm paid for. Um, children will know that. They, they just don't want to learn about, the, about the, the, the academics. I mean, they want to know where to stand in their place with God. What, what is my, my reason for being here? And if that's not good enough for them, uh, and the teacher's saying, well, you know what? I don't care for you. I'm just going to give you information. The, the, They'll see that. They're not a regurgitated depository of, of information. They'd rather see something true. So it could quickly go downhill, but um, we encourage our teachers to remember your, your primary focus, be a witness to them. They need that. They're desperate for that. Well, and if you've got that going on, then you have a you have a better audience for mm-hmm. the other stuff too, <laughs> right? Absolutely. I mean, this is, it all kind of is meant to flow together. Is you know, Catholic right. education is supposed to be about the whole person. Right. Uh, so, right. I mean, I don't pretend to know how to do that. Uh, obviously, I'm not the person who's gone into Catholic education. So <laughs> I only know what questions to ask because of stuff that I've been overhearing for the past couple of decades. But Marlon De La Torre, if our listeners uh, want to connect with you and hear more about things that you're working on, how do they do so? They can connect with me either through knowingisdoing.org or the Diocese of Columbus. All right, link to sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. You too, Matt. Go Bucks. All right. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is calling up the National Guard as Tropical Storm Adelia takes aim at his state. Speaking yesterday, DeSantis noted that roughly 5,500 guardsmen are on the ground. Officials are coordinating with utility companies in an effort to quickly respond to any potential power outages. Evacuation orders are also in place for several counties in coastal areas. Idalia is expected to strengthen into a hurricane soon and make landfall on Florida's Gulf Coast, potentially as a major hurricane by early tomorrow morning. The University of North Carolina has confirmed a faculty member was killed after a shooting on campus yesterday. Trey Thomas reports. Police say they have a suspect in custody, but are not releasing a name or possible charges. This loss is devastating, and uh, the shooting damages the trust and safety that we so often take for granted uh, in our campus community. Earlier reports indicated the shooter was a grad student. Officials also said classes will be canceled on Tuesday. The shooting took place in a laboratory and triggered a three-hour lockdown. I'm Trey Thomas. Former President Donald Trump will be arraigned in his Georgia election interference case next week. A Fulton County Superior Judge scheduled the arraignment for all 19 co-defendants in the case for September 6th. Trump will be the first person arraigned after being charged over alleged attempts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election. The advocates behind a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution are set to go before that's set to go before Ohio voters this fall are suing the state's ballot board. In the litigation filed yesterday, Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights claims a summary of the ballot measure that has been approved to appear on the ballot is, they say, deceptive and inaccurate. They're asking the state Supreme Court to order the ballot board 
to place the full language of the amendment on the ballot or make changes that they say would accurately and fairly reflect the terms included in the measure. Among their grievances is the use of the term unborn child instead of fetus. Pope Francis has sent a message to participants in the 60th International Congress of Forensic Toxologists in Rome, calling for support for those who fall into drug addiction. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Pope Francis shared his concerns over the alarming increase in the consumption of drugs and psychotropic substances among teenagers and young people, further encouraged by their illegal and online sale on the so-called dark web. The Pope noted that the fragility and the insecurities of today's societies added to the critical stage of adolescence are important factors that can lead young people to dangerous choices and behaviours. The message highlighted in particular the new psychoactive substances or NPS whose use is rapidly expanding among adolescents who are often unaware of the health hazards associated with these drugs. Another point raised by the Pope was the increase in the use of doping substances in sports, which he said manifests the obsession of high performance at all costs. This phenomenon, Pope Francis remarked, should make us reflect on the modern society's culture of efficiency and productivity, which does not admit failure. In this context, the message continued, disoriented young people are more prone to rely on drugs to stem their anguish and lack of purpose in life and to overcome the fatigue of existing. Behind every addiction, the Pope noted, there are concrete stories of loneliness, exclusion and lack of integration to which we cannot be indifferent. As Jesus stopped, came close to and healed the wounds of the suffering, we too, the Pope concluded, are called to listen to the cry of loneliness and anguish and bring back to life those who fall into the slavery of drugs. I am Lisa Zengarini. The president of the Pontifical Academy for Life has said food waste is a source of shame. Vatican News reports Archbishop Vincenzo Paglia was speaking recently at the U.N. Agency Headquarters for Latin America. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Water heaters, plumbing repair, and drain cleaning backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of the Passion of St. John the Baptist, Tuesday, August the 29th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockman Plumbing, Heating and Air, online at skpha. 
Weather.com. Got another nice day ahead. Nice right now with temperatures in the upper 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny to partly cloudy today with a high of 83 degrees. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 60. Partly cloudy to mostly sunny tomorrow and a high of 78 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun today and a high of 82 degrees. Mainly clear tonight with some increasing clouds late, an overnight low of 58. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow with a high of 75 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Find us online at sacredheartradio.com. With us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Thomas Berg. He's author of a couple of books, including Choosing Forgiveness, most recently, as well as Hurting in the Church, both from our Sunday visitor. Father, welcome back. Good to be with you. Good morning. It is good to have you. And, you know, a lot of people are heading back to school, including the men who are in the educational phase of their formation for the priesthood, those who are heading back to seminary. And then there are those who are entering seminary for the first time, and and we're going to spend some time together um, talking about what would be your advice to uh, seminarians. But I want to, can we start, can you just take us back to that time for you? What was it like as as a young man, you had discerned this, this possible call to the priesthood, and then you took that step to enter into formation. What was it like to enter seminary for the first time? Um, well, it, it was very simple. I think I and my, my comrades, it was very clear. We were going to be the saviors of the church. <laughs> we were going to, we were, we were going to get this right, you know, and, uh, that's what I see in so many of our guys. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's awesome. And it's also frightening. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a tremendous adventure and and you know just to kind of step back too just so you know listeners can uh have motivation to pray uh you know back i'm looking at some data right now back in 1990 there were about 6000 over 6000 total seminarians in all the dioceses of the United States uh by 2021 for the first time we're actually below 4000 seminarians oh. so 3947 yeah. the reality is um the number of vocations, number of men entering seminary, it's, it's about, I think it's, it would seem to, this would seem to indicate it's about to take a, a, a very serious dip, and I think we're aware of that. I wish in every parish in the United States we had a team of very committed lay men and women and families who are like focused in a special ministry on um, promoting vocations, vocations to priesthood and re- religious and consecrated life. Um, part of the problem is the in so many dioceses is the very high ratio of you know priests to Catholics in the diocese, and you know priests the priests who are in ministry are so stretched. Uh, it's very hard to be able to find that quality time to spend with young people who are you know discerning their vocation, and we can't just put that. Um, burden on the vocation director. You know, the vocation director is supposed to kind of do miracles, and um, we need a lot of support, uh, especially from from laypersons. So, yeah, so yeah, we got to pray for our guys who are starting formation right now in the fall. Well, and I know there are many chapters of the Sarah Club, as as they're known, um, who who do just that, who who pray fervently for vocations and do what they can to to promote 
vocations to young people. Yes. So encourage they folks to uh, yeah to check out uh, your local Sarah Club if uh, you want to heed Father's call in a in a very real way there. So, Father, as young men are entering into seminary what what would be your what what comes to mind first what is your first piece of advice for a young man I, i've got lots of advice because i i've been uh, accompanying men in formation for the past 12 years so um how long do we have annie <laughs> i know <laughs> um, right <laughs> we we've no i uh, a couple things and i as i was reflecting on this this actually is also valuable for all of us uh because this this all speaks to ongoing conversion and last time i checked we're all supposedly on a road of ongoing conversion. Yeah. But but really, the first thing is uh, what I would call is uh, it, it's the trust deficit in the church. I was just speaking to a group of seminarians up in Hartford. They invited me to ask about how, how do we restore trust in the church. So one thing that a, a man in formation has to do first, he has to understand that he is... Um, you know, trust is a huge challenge. It's a bigger challenge than ever. I was just reading something about uh, Gen Z in the workplace the other day, and the author noted two things. Um, a lot of times young Gen Z employees in the workplace don't trust the leadership of the company, and they suspect that management is hiding something. So wow. um, that translates directly to what can happen in, in seminary, because seminarians have been exposed to, they've been scandalized, think uh, the whole McCarrick ordeal, sure. um, scandalized by the abuse of power. It's exceedingly hard for seminarians to trust, especially the priests who have been missioned to seminary as their teachers and mentors. But but the upshot is that trust is essential. And what's necessary in, in, in seminary formation, especially in preparation for the priesthood, is loads of vulnerability, um, loads of openness to, uh, to those men. So somehow, um, guys got to work to get into a relationship with these men and, and discover them. And hopefully the, 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 the priests in formation too are, are aiding them to develop this very trusting relationship. It's a mentoring relationship. It's the relationship of a spiritual father. Um, and guys are going to have to do that. But they first of all have to recognize how much in them resists that just because, you know, generationally that, that that's that's a first huge piece of this. Oh, my gosh. I imagine uh, that is hugely important for someone who is looking toward taking a vow of obedience to whoever that that superior is. You bet. And, um, and, you know, and the, the, the distrust, the uncertainty, I mean, that go, that goes beyond, um, you know, priest in the seminary or, or the rector. Sure. I mean, it, it can be, uh, kind of reflect or aim, aimed at the bishop, even, you know, at, at the, the bishops, you know, there was a recent study from Catholic University of America that, you know, kind of revealed this huge trust deficit, uh, with regard to, the American Episcopate as mm -hmm. as as a body from uh, within the body of priests in the United States. So, um, so that but that trust is also necessary because number two, um, ongoing formation, ongoing conversion. Guys have to deal with um, the human deficits, the wounds, right? Uh, that we bring that they bring into formation, and that again requires vulnerability, transparency, honesty, but. They they got to lean into that. I always tell guys you you got to deal with your 
your stuff, right? You gotta, you've got to be open, your spiritual director, the persons who are accompanying you in formation, uh, you got to work at that because no, we don't, we don't come into formation immaculate. All of us, every single one of us in life, you know, if, our, if we could see our souls, it'd be kind of like a, a moonscape of the impacts of things that we've suffered and things that have happened and the results of bad choices that we made maybe when we were younger. And um, so there's, there's a lot of work to be done and a lot of honesty that is required in dealing with, um, with that stuff with, uh, to, to get, get the seminary needs to get himself with God's grace as healed as possible so that he can be a healer in turn in the church. You started off the conversation talking about how uh, when you entered seminary, and and this is probably the case for so many young men as they enter seminary, that I'm going to save the world. And yet all of this goes in together, doesn't it? Um, This need for vulnerability and to recognize you're not the savior of the world. Jesus is. Right. I mean, look, I mean, any one of us, when you're 21, 22, 23, you know, you can easily develop a savior complex in whatever in whatever you do. But, yeah, that's, you know, a, a big piece of advice to to our men. You are not the savior. Uh, we already have a savior. He's doing a great job. Um, we need to, uh, we need to, we need to trust what we need is we need is trust, trust and trust in the Holy spirit. Seminarians of course are rightly like all of us scandalized by a lot of stuff, um, that's happened within the institutional reality of the church or in the, the local presbyterate. Um, but if, you're going to be ordained someday. Uh, you really have to become, I mean, the priest today in so many ways, locally in his parish, in his community, has to be a, a rock of, of hope. And you, you can't trans, you can't give what you don't have. So you have to allow the grace of the Holy Spirit to, to really infuse within you that, um, that, that hope. Another thing, though, I, I think I would really um, just urge our men to really pray for this grace. It's to pray for the grace to be free of clericalism. I define it as kind of a, a lust for power, prestige, perks, uh, importance. Um, and guys can get caught up in that. And very sadly, priests can get caught up in that. Um, the reality, too, is that, unfortunately, even laypersons can get caught up in that as mm-hmm. as well. And if, if our, our men need to have a, a deep awareness that they are servants, um, they need to pray for the grace to love deeply the people of God, the people entrusted them with a deep sense of service, the heart of, of a servant. We're not there to exercise power. And I, I, well, and I mean, obviously, yes, there's, there's, there's certain responsibilities that are given to, to um, the priest. But I think our, our, a message for our guys in formation, too, would be, guys, you, you are going to understand that you have a ton to learn from your lay brothers and sisters who, in many ways, have been doing ministry longer than yourselves um, with gifts that you don't have. <laughs> and... Um, that developing that sense of profound collaboration and teamwork with with the lay faithful and recognizing their gifts and and their uh, what what they can do not not uh, not to clericalize right uh, our lay brothers and sisters but to each each in our own 
uh, vocation um, being instruments, uh, the, the instruments that we're called to be. Can I ask but, uh, yeah. you um, from to to step back from the the advice for for a seminarian here and give advice to us the laity in this regard, Father? Because um, I imagine there's some kind of a line that we need to walk as laity, in that we want to give due honor. Um, to our priests in the fact that that your hands are consecrated and and can confect the sacraments and and there is an inherent dignity that that comes with that um but how do we do that in such a way as to not like puff up our priests or our seminarians um ahead of time um puff them up in 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 like this idea of clericalism or 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 some kind of pride of of being a priest does that make sense oh yeah absolutely um I, I think, you know, um, there, there are plenty of temptations for seminarians to, to get puffed up. And, um, you know, I, but I, th- I think there, there is um, a way for the laity, yeah, to, in, in friendship with, uh, with the clergy, in friendship with the priest, to, yeah, to honor, I mean, you know, to honor that reality. Um, I'm, I know I'm blessed, and I know so many of our, our, our priests are, uh, blessed with very um, close lay friendships. Some some of my best friends are are laymen and women. Um, but it's but I'm always I'm always father. I'm I'm always even though they may call me by my first name, which is which is fine. But um, there's a way of reverencing that, um, which still allows for the possibility of genuine friendship. I, th- I think that's that's kind of an avenue for that um, genuine friendship. Uh, between clergy and laity that's that's hugely important especially for the perseverance of priests yeah i would imagine so i really appreciate uh the conversation today father thomas berg we can find uh you can find his books choosing forgiveness and hurting in the church linked at sunrise morning show.com father thank you always great being with you annie It was great to have you, Father. And uh, if you are a young man entering seminary or formation, either for the first time or continuing in your studies, please be assured of the prayers of the Sunrise Morning Show family. Ten Till, we're back right after this. Stay with us. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, Resuscitation of the Rosary, a Fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and Mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. 
And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. You know, I have never seen women who want to be equal absolutely degrading themselves. And yet the media degrades your nature, your beauty as a woman, your your goodness. Let us pray. At some point, our dear Lord touches their hearts. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. Do you have a clean joke to share with the world? Share your story today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. No, Matt, you don't have a joke to share with the world. You do not. Jerry and Debbie, you don't know what you're missing. Just give me the hour. We'll see what happens. (laughs) You'll be like my son. He's like, Dad. I'm going to do bread puns, and for the next, like, 15 minutes... Are you kidding me? He'd be like, I loaf this game. At any rate, what are the headlines? <sighs> Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is calling up the National Guard as the state starts to eye Tropical Storm Dahlia, which could make landfall as a major hurricane tomorrow. The advocates behind a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution are suing the state's ballot board over language. And the journal La Civita Cattolica has published the transcript of the Pope's recent meeting with his fellow Jesuits in Portugal. All right. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I mentioned a little bit ago that today, the Feast of St. John the Baptist, um, and that means it's a great feast for the folks in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Actually, mm-hmm. the whole the whole Puerto Rican island gets to celebrate St. John the Baptist as their patron. Uh, there's also the San Juan uh, Pueblo in New Mexico gets cool. to count him as a patron. In addition to that, if you're listening in one of these areas, happy feast day to your diocese uh, because St. John the Baptist is a patron of you as well. Charleston, South Carolina. Nice. Home of uh, Father Jonathan Duncan. And Joseph Pierce. And Joseph Pierce. And a few others. Uh, Dodge City, Kansas. It's your feast today. You're under the patronage of John the Baptist. Patterson, New Jersey. Home of Father Philip Michael Tangora. It's their feast. Uh, Portland, Maine. uh, He's a patron of that. So happy feast day to my uh, hermit friend, Brother Rex. He's uh, he's got a feast to celebrate today. Is he in the diocese of Portland? I didn't know that. He's in Portland. Wow. He's out in the woods up there. It's a nice place to be a hermit. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Good place to go get left alone. Yeah, for real. And go uh, go pray for a living. I love Portland, Maine. Uh, While you're up in that area, St. John's, Newfoundland. uh, Nice. He's patron of that diocese. Uh, Savannah, Georgia. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist, patron of that diocese. There's several dioceses in uh, Belgium, in Brazil, in Germany, Italy, a few in Mexico, a handful in the Philippines, in Portugal. More than uh, a few in Italy. Yeah, oh Italy, there's gosh. like a couple dozen. A few dozen. Uh, Macau, China, under the patronage of John the Baptist. Um, Ivanska, Croatia. Let's see, Cornwall, England. Quebec, Canada. And uh, some place in Poland that I'm uh, hesitant to try to pronounce. 
Actually, a place in the Netherlands that I'm hesitant to try and pronounce as well. But you know who you are. And happy feast day. Sorry, I'm trying to count how many Italian dioceses there are. I'm up to 42. There are a lot of dioceses in Italy. I don't know if you know this. Everybody's yard is like a diocese over there. <laughs> it's like nice, uh, nice front yard. Three. I like your landscaping. You're like, yeah, it's a, it's a new diocese. Maybe not. Anna Mitchell's still counting. She'll have a number. 75, 76, 77, 78, 79. Is it like 100 dioceses? 81, 82, I think. 82 82 dioceses dioceses. in Italy under the patronage of St. John the Baptist. Is that how many dioceses are in Italy? I don't know. Probably at least 25 times that. We're back with another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show after the break. It's three minutes till. Does your parish have a spiritual event planned? Sacred Heart Radio can help get the word out. Whether it's a parish mission, 40 hours of adoration, or a speaker you've invited, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on events and give us the facts to put on the radio and on our events calendar. One of the benefits of having a local Catholic station is to inform our listeners of the many spiritual activities happening throughout the tri-state. So to submit a spiritual event plan for your parish, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on events. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brosartpharmacy.com. When you donate your car to St. Vincent de Paul of Cincinnati, you are showing you care by making it a vehicle for hope to transform lives. Your donation of a car, truck, or RV helps provide basic needs to struggling neighbors, and they'll pick it up for free. Find out more at 421care.org. I am Deacon Mike Erb with Coldwell Banker Realty. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio because I am a faithful listener, and I'm happy to help you with buying or selling your home. 513-237-8888. That's 513-237-8888. Are you looking for a way to grow in holiness as a married couple? Do you desire to grow closer to God and to each other as you navigate the challenges of life? Join us for a marriage retreat, October 20th through the 22nd at Catholic Family Land. Deepen your relationship with your spouse through prayer, receiving the sacraments, intentional communication, and time spent together. Register at afc.org. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. 
I'm Deacon Joe Grody from St. Michael's in Sharonville. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Tuesday, the 29th of August, the Feast of the Martyrdom of St. John the Baptist, by praying more of the Litany of John the Baptist in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. John the Baptist, burning and shining lamp of the world, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, intrepid preacher of truth, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, voice crying in the wilderness, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, miracle of mortification and penance, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, example of profound humility, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, glorious martyr of zeal for God's holy law, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, gloriously fulfilling thy mission, pray for us. St. John the Baptist and all you holy men and women, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you are with us here on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we'll catch up with Dina Dwyer Owens. And she is a uh, Catholic leadership professional who's got lots of great insights on workplace spirituality and how to go into the job today and uh, keep Christ at the center of what you do. Randy Petridis will be along as well. Also, Steve Ray on Hearts in the Bible. We're actually getting close to the end of the month dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That's the theme for August. And then Chris McGregor joins us to look at what St. John Chrysostom has to say about five paths to repentance. Of course, she picks a selection from the Office of Readings each week to unpack, and that's what we'll be doing. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com, as well as Central Fabricators and CentralFabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is calling up the National Guard as Tropical Storm Idalia is beginning to take aim at the Sunshine State. Speaking yesterday, DeSantis noted that roughly 5,500 guardsmen are on the ground. Officials are coordinating with utility companies in an effort to quickly respond to any potential power outages. Evacuation orders are also in place for several counties in coastal areas. Idalia is expected to strengthen into a hurricane soon and could make landfall as a major hurricane on Florida's Gulf Coast early tomorrow. Former President Donald Trump will be arraigned in the Georgia election interference case next week. Mark Mayfield reports. A Fulton County Superior Court judge has scheduled the arraignments for all 19 co-defendants in the case for September 6th. Trump will be the first to be arraigned at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. He will then be followed by the 18 other co-defendants in 15-minute increments. Trump and the 18 other co-defendants face charges over alleged attempts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election. I'm Mark Mayfield. The advocates behind a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution set to go before Ohio voters this fall are suing the state's ballot board. In litigation filed yesterday, Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights 
claims a summary of the measure that's been approved to appear on the ballot in November is, as they put it, deceptive and inaccurate. They're asking the state Supreme Court to order the ballot board to place the full language of the amendment on the ballot or make changes that they say would accurately and fairly reflect the terms included in the measure. Among their grievances is the use of the term unborn child instead of fetus. The ACLU and Planned Parenthood in Michigan have unveiled a legislative agenda for this fall as they seek to get state lawmakers to make access to abortion easier in Michigan. They want to repeal a state law mandating a woman wait 24 hours before obtaining an abortion and repeal laws that limit insurance coverage of abortion. Right to Life of Michigan has blasted their proposals. The journal La Civita Cattolica has published the transcript of the Pope's recent meeting with his fellow Jesuits in Portugal when he was there for World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Throughout World Youth Day in Lisbon, the rallying cry for an all-embracing church resonated powerfully with the words todos, todos, as he stressed that the church has space for everyone. The Pope reiterated his call to embrace homosexual people within the church. He critiqued the disproportionate fixation on sexual transgressions, noting that other so-called offenses often remain overlooked. The Pope also recounted an encounter with a group of transgender individuals who were moved by tears by the Pope's acceptance and empathy. He underscored the necessity of reaching out to marginalized communities who often grapple with feelings of rejection, and he accentuated the significance of empathy and compassion. Addressing critical global concerns, Pope Francis conveyed deep apprehension over the persistent prevalence of wars since the conclusion of World War II. He spotlighted the contemporary state of global affairs and underscored the imperative of seeking peaceful resolutions. The dialogue delved into tensions existing within the church, including reactionary attitudes and resistance to the tenets of the Second Vatican Council. The pontiff acknowledged the intricate challenges posed by those who scrutinize Vatican II without explicitly naming it. He underscored the dynamic nature of doctrinal evolution and expounded on the notion that church doctrine is not an unchanging monolith, but rather an evolving entity. He invoked historical instances such as the changing perspectives on the death penalty, nuclear weapons and slavery to illustrate the fluidity of doctrine over time. Pope Francis expressed apprehensions about the encroachment of excessive worldliness into religious life. He cautioned against compromising core values with the allure of worldly ideologies. Finally, Pope Francis conveyed his anticipation regarding the impending synod. He clarified that the synod wasn't his brainchild. Instead, it aimed to restore synodality within the church, a concept first championed by Pope Paul VI. He also emphasized that the driving force behind the synod was the Holy Spirit. I'm Francesca Merlo. And the Department of Transportation is going after American Airlines, hitting the company with the largest ever fine for keeping passengers waiting on the tarmac. The airline is facing more than $4 million fine for long delays with passengers on board airplanes for 43 different flights, affecting more than 5,800 passengers between 2018 and 2021. The longest delay? involved passengers on a board on board a plane in Texas in August 2020 for just over six hours after being diverted due to severe weather. Could you That's imagine six hours sitting on the plane? What would you do? You run out of. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to listen to like, I guess you could listen to two days of podcasts for the Sunrise Morning Show. I guess you could do that. 
Depends on what time of day it was, though. If it's like the afternoon, you'd be like, ah, I don't know. This feels like morning vibes. That's okay. But that's why we I'm put okay. those markers on the interviews. So if you go to the Sunrise Morning Show podcast. Oh, then you'd get through a then lot Then you could more. just be like, yeah. I just want to listen to the interview with Dr. John Bergsma about Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Or I just want to hear what Father Bonifus Hicks had to say about the Jesus Prayer. Or I just want to dive into the Office of Readings with Chris McGregor. You just like mouse over the tabs and be like, oh, well, it starts right there. Here's my favorite guest on the Sunrise Morning Show. Guest. I'm going to go, go straight through to them. every day of Sunrise Morning Show podcasts and just find that one person. Just you find all the that. Kevin Schmeezy. I want to know what wanted. happened this week in Catholic history. I highly recommend listening to the entire show, but... But if you got to do fade. that, if you want to do that, you are more than welcome to utilize. Yeah. I'm it is I'm joined now by Dina Dwyer Owens. It's always great to catch up with her and talk about faith and values, especially as it applies to our life out in the workplace. You can download her Create Your Culture or Your Better Future Workbooks at dinadwyerowens.com. Dina, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So I'm looking back at the notes. You sent me something here that says we've been doing this for 10 years. Is that possible, <laughs> Dina? I know. Um, they say time flies, and they're not kidding. My goodness. Well, how long ago then were you on Undercover Boss? It was right about 10 years ago, I think. Well, it aired 2012, and you reached out to me shortly afterwards. That's wild that it's been going this long. Well, we've and covered a lot of stuff. it going. Yeah. Yeah, they keep airing it, which is beautiful because it gives a, an opportunity to share faith in the workplace. I mean, you're in reruns. I, who knows how many times <laughs> at this point. I never uh, knew I'd be a rerun, but... <laughs> Well, there you go. Well, I think the the cool thing about it is it did open a door for these conversations that we've been able to have over uh, over time about something that basically affects the vast majority of our listenership, which is people who are going to work somewhere. And, you know, the work culture, especially if you look at inflation and rising prices on just about everything and trying to figure out how to reinvent yourself sometimes uh, in some situations in a post-COVID world, work can be absolutely front and center for our lives. It makes demands on our attention, on our energy, and everything. But I I wonder how over the course of this 10 years especially, you've been thinking about this idea of making sure that you set your values as opposed to letting the demands and pressures of your workplace set your values for you. Yeah, it goes back to that whole Design Your Life program that I've talked about a couple of times on this show where you can live by design, you can live by default. And living by default is not such a good idea. So, uh, you know, and God's got a design for all of our lives. You just have to slow down enough to listen. And, you know, one of the the lessons that um, I've learned and I've had the opportunity to um, share with so many, uh, in my case, franchisees and associates and Others actually have lots of opportunity in the um, in, the, in this, the the Catholic world. A lot of people have invited me to speak about this, but is having clarity of our values because if we don't know what our values, our personal values are, and we're clear about how we hold ourselves accountable to those values, then we're going to get caught up in the rat race. And it happens to all of us. Everybody just gets busy, and we forget. It's hard to believe that we forget what's most important to us because we get caught up in the day to day. You know. I I love this idea of of really refocusing on values because if you have not just yourself but a group of people who are in that headspace, you've got something that a lot of places don't have. So let's say that I'm in a workplace with you like I've been in before where there's a disagreement into how things should be done and 
we're all coming from different places and we're all prioritizing different things and you can get into some nasty gossip and backstabbing and Mm -hmm. rivalry and all that other stuff. Well, here's the thing. I work with Anna Mitchell every morning and Anna Mitchell and I may disagree on some stuff about, you know, who we should have on or how we should run things or what, you know, how a thing should go. But Anna Mitchell and I and Paul Lockman, we have shared values. Like we all know that we're trying to do the same kind of thing for the same kind of reason. So any kind of conflict that'll pop up, We'll figure it out because we've got that baseline. That right, and that foundation is so key. I, for years, I uh, when I was a much younger person, you know, my my number one value, personal value, was social. Surprise, surprise. You know, social life is what it was, and you know, it was about getting out with friends in the evenings and going and having fun and driving a really nice car and. You know, just things that today are not the priority. And, and over time, of course, Matt, I came to realize my number one personal value is my faith. And with each one of our personal values, we have to understand that there is a, you, want, you might want to call it a rule, a ritual, a tradition, a habit. There are things that we do that support the fact that, in my case, faith is my number one value. Things like attending Mass five days a week. Like right after this call, I'm going right to, to Mass downtown Waco at 7.30 a.m. So going to Mass daily. It means going to Mass when I'm traveling for business on the weekends. doesn't matter. I'm still going to Mass on a Sunday. In fact, it's on my itinerary. So that's one of my, my, my rituals or habits um, that support the fact that faith is my number one value. And people around me see that. In fact, they've commented before, oh, that's interesting that you have church on your itinerary for work. It's like, yeah, because I'm going to be gone for the weekend and I'm going to make sure I don't miss Mass on Sunday. Well, that may be the kind of thing that people look at you weird the first couple times you do it, but if you establish that pattern, then people kind of just like, oh, that's Dina. She's going to be going to Mass. <laughs> that's know? right. You know what? And I invite them. I invite after, them to say, you're welcome to join me if you'd like. And yeah, people you, you, have joined me. Yeah, and you carve out that space, and after a while, people respect you for, for sticking to those values. I mean, this this may not take the form of that in, in a way that people can see all the time because you know a lot of people who go to daily mass listen to this show do it before they go to work so uh, nobody necessarily sees or knows that but there are certain things that you can do if you value your faith first and foremost uh things like when people are trashing each other in the break room you don't participate you know people kind of start to see after a while ah well, that person's not gonna if i go over and gripe to that person i'm not gonna I'm not going to find somebody who's going to egg me on in it, right? You start to develop that reputation when it's clear that those values and boundaries are out there. That makes me laugh because you're so right. And, I, you know, one of the, the longtime values of Neighborly, which was formerly the Dwyer Group, where I was the CEO, is speaking calmly and respectfully without profanity or sarcasm. Matt, it is so incredible to me that somebody who uses profane words in every other sentence in a typical setting went around me. And, and it's not because I'm better than anybody else, but they're clear that I am not going to participate in a, in a conversation with a profanity. They, they stop cussing in front of me. And these are people who will say to me, you know what? Somehow I cannot cuss when I'm around you, but when I get back with my other group, I'm right back to the normal cussing. Well, it's because you're a lady. People are like, yeah, that Dina's not – she's not about that stuff. Watch your language around her. I mean that's, that's how you start a culture, right? I mean isn't this kind of your whole deal about you change a culture by just saying, hey, this is what we're actually about? That's right, but it starts with you. So it starts with the individuals being willing to live the culture, which are your values, comes back to the values, and what are the, what are the accountability statements or the habits that support those values? Because you've got to hold yourself accountable, you know, because I, I mess up all the time. But the goal is, is to bring myself back <laughs> to, you know, that foundation, which is so important to the way I live my life. And then when we all do that, like you and Anna and Paul in the workplace, it makes for such a much 
healthier setting, and you have a lot more fun. And I know you like to have fun, Matt, and so do I. And when you're clear about your values, you're not afraid to live them, people do respect you. In fact, you become a form of a magnet because they go, why? How is it that Matt can be so clear about who he is and unabashed about it? He, he, he's open about it, but he's not your face about it. And I respect that. And I'd like to be stronger like Matt. Well, Dina, this is this is great stuff. Remind people where they can find uh, your Create Your Culture Workbook or Better Future Workbooks. Yep, DinaDwyerOwens.com. All right, and sign off for me because we got to get you sound. Keep up the God work. There it is. There it is. Can't put the the Dina interview uh, on the shelf yet until she says to keep up the God work. So, hope you head out to the workplace today a little bit more inspired. Sixteen past. We got headlines right after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Are you looking for peace, longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. This is Bernadette Bogusky, Executive Director of WCCR Cleveland, AM 1260 The Rock. Why do we need Catholic Radio? To reach the hearts, minds, and souls of those who are searching for deeper meaning and don't know where to turn. To bring clarity to a world full of lies and confusion. And to share the good news of joy and mercy with a world so desperate for the truth. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio. Now more than ever. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is calling up the National Guard as Tropical Storm Italia is beginning to take aim at the state. The journal La Civita Cattolica has published the transcript of the Pope's recent meeting with his fellow Jesuits in Portugal and advocates behind a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution are now suing the ballot board over language. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And, you know, Anna Mitchell, we've had quite a bit to say about St. John the Baptist on this, the memorial of his passion, Mm -hmm. uh, the beheading of St. John the Baptist. But there's a person a little further down on the calendar that I want to make sure to mention today. And that would be St. Jean Jugan, the foundress of the Little Sisters of the Poor. So a happy feast day to all the Little Sisters this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your work, little sister. I think their charism 
is one of the most beautiful charisms to keep vigil with those who are dying and service particularly to the elderly poor. I want to put it out there uh, to to young ladies who might be listening right now who are considering a vocation to the religious life. I mean, there are a lot of fantastic religious orders out there. This one is so, so beautiful. And, well, and not, especially you for know, someone who's got, you know, maybe an impulse towards like caregiving and nursing uh, just as part of who you are. I mean, that's well, really that's every so woman. Gifted. If you read something like Molieris Dignitatum, Matt, that's true. So there this, are elements of that. I just want to say it's it's not a charism that is, you know, on the surface, the most appealing sounding because, you know, working in a nursing home essentially doesn't sound like, you know, really glamorous lifestyle, but God will reward you. So please, please, please consider a vocation with the Little Sisters of the Poor. That's my PSA for the day. And they're all, every little sister I've ever met is pretty awesome. Amazing. So uh, there you go. St. John's, you gone. Pray for us. Pray for us. It's 21 minutes past the hour. For more than two decades, Sacred Heart Radio has filled the local airwaves with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Catholic perspective on issues and events. And because of your participation, we've had the resources to share the ministry of our local clergy and produce the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. But even though you'll soon see the Sunrise Morning Show on video, our work to bring others to Christ has only begun. So please tell everyone you know where locally they'll hear the good news on Sacred Heart Radio and on the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Sunrise Morning Show. Randall Petritus, his new book is called How the Saints Shaped History. Randall, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and it's a pleasure to be on your show, Annie. Well, it is a pleasure to have you. You know, we think of saints as models of holiness, rightfully so. They are models of holiness, but what do you mean by them shaping history? Well, uh, 
if you look at what God has done in the history of the church and try to look at where the Holy Spirit has been working, the best way to do that is to look at those people who are most open to the grace of the Holy Spirit and most open to being disciples of Christ, and that would be the saints. So if you follow the saints, you can see what God has done throughout history. And, you know, the church is not just a human institution like some histories will uh, will describe it, but it's also a divine institution. So uh, when you look at the saints and what they did in their place in history, you can see the uh, the arc of grace throughout these last 2,000 years. So it's a little bit of a different approach to the saints. As you say, uh, being inspired by their holiness is front and center to what the saints can be for us. But we can also learn about you know what God has done through history and how he sustains us, how we can have hope when we look at how saints have actually been the uh, history makers uh, throughout the last 2,000 years. Well, when you read through secular history textbooks, for instance, you probably have very little, if any, knowledge of saints who had an effect on the course of history. I mean, they're more focused on, on political and military leaders. And I mean, certainly there has been some overlap, but... How do you take us through history and show how the saints have have fit into shaping the world? Well, uh, my book is a narrative history of the Catholic Church and of the Christian experience for the last 2,000 years. So I sought to tell a story, um, but when I first started writing it, uh, it was a pure history. I kept seeing it's the saints who are right there uh, making uh uh, pulling us out of problems, uh, leading the, the way forward, getting us out of heresies, uh, so to speak. And and so uh, what I've done, there's about 180 saints that uh, I focus on. Most of them are the more well-known saints, and they're more well-known because they're the ones who impacted history uh, very profoundly. So uh, I just walk us through and look what this, this saint did. Look at how God raised up, for example, in the... Um, in the fourth century when we had perhaps the greatest crisis in church history, the Arian crisis, look how he raised up Athanasius and Basil and Gregory and Cyril and all these people all at the same time who by their holiness, their brilliance, and their persistence got us out that. And, you know, that is, when you look at the church as divine as well as human, that is the real history, as you say, not just the political and the military aspects of our history, which are, which are, are, are uh, valid, but the real history is... Our, our spiritual history, how God has um, um, guided uh, his people uh, throughout the ages and rescued them and um, uh, put them back on a, on a good path. And he did that, I, I noticed, to the saints. That's why I think they are really front and center in the history of the church. Yeah, for sure. So I started off by talking about how saints obviously uh, most obviously in our minds are our models of holiness. But thinking about that, is there anyone in here off the top of your head who, I mean, you mentioned a lot of these saints are very famous, but they're famous for their holiness primarily, right? So is there anyone in here who might surprise us as as a shaper of history? Uh, sometimes uh, it, it, it's just fascinating for me to see uh, the, uh, the smaller saints who uh, shape history in, a, in an outsized way based upon what they did. I don't know if this is a direct answer to your question, but even starting from Mary Magdalene, um, mm -hmm. uh, converted to, to, to Jesus by uh, 
his ministry to her and was very devoted to him. And uh, because of that devotion, she's there at the tomb, and she's there to see Jesus, and she's there to get a task. And her task was to tell the uh, uh, the, the disciples who were holed up out of fear uh, that no need to fear. I have risen. Um, I will be with you. And so she got the church going just by delivering a message. And uh, look at, uh, say, St. Clotilda, who lived in the 4th century. She was married to King Clovis of the Franks, just at the time when the Franks were being the dominant Germanic tribe, and that was important. And uh, she was Christian. He was pagan. She spent uh, the better part of their early marriage seeking to convert him to the faith. And eventually, by 496, she was successful. And just at the time when the Franks were um, dominating the other tribes, it opened the door for the Christian faith to be spread throughout all Europe. Uh, And uh, those, you might say, little saints who had an outsized impact on history just by being faithful, just by doing the the, the simple things uh, in, in devotion to our Lord. Yeah, it's really incredible. We're talking to Randall Petritus, whose book is called How the Saints Shaped History. And Randall, my last question for you with just about a minute left is, what do you think all of this tells us about God? It tells us that God is faithful. Uh, Whenever we see, including in our present times, uh, reasons to be deeply concerned about the state of affairs in the church of the world, God is faithful. Whenever things seem to be very difficult, he will give us grace. And on one of the main ways he does that is by raising up a body of saints. So we can have hope because of the faithfulness of God that uh, in our own times uh, we can expect, and I'm sure it's happening as we speak, uh, he will raise up new saints to, to, to help us through the times we have today. So I would say that's the main lesson. God is faithful because he loves us. He will not abandon us, Jesus said. Uh, he will be with us always. And uh, the history of the saints shows that very well. Beautiful. How the Saints Shaped History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you, Randall. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Idalia has now reached hurricane status. The National Hurricane Center says the Category 1 storm now is packing maximum sustained winds of 75 miles per hour as it makes its way toward Florida. Forecasters expect Idalia to continue gaining strength, intensifying into a dangerous manger hurricane before it makes landfall tomorrow. The University of North Carolina has confirmed a faculty member was killed after a shooting on campus yesterday. Trey Thomas reports. Police say they have a suspect in custody, but are not releasing a name or possible charges. This loss is devastating, and uh, the shooting damages the trust and safety that we so often take for granted uh, in our campus community. Earlier reports indicated the shooter was a grad student. Officials also said classes will be canceled on Tuesday. The shooting took place in a laboratory and triggered a three-hour lockdown. I'm Trey Thomas. Former President Trump will be arraigned in the Georgia election interference case next week. A Fulton County Superior Court judge scheduled the arraignments for all 19 co-defendants in this case for September 6th. Trump will be the first person arraigned 
after being charged over alleged attempts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election. The advocates behind a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution set to go before Ohio voters this fall are suing the state's ballot board. In the litigation filed yesterday, Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights claims a summary of the measure that has been approved to appear on the ballot is, as they put it, deceptive and inaccurate. And they're asking the state Supreme Court to order the ballot board to place the full language of the amendment on the ballot or make changes that accurately and fairly reflect the terms as they see it. Among the grievances is their use of the term unborn child instead of fetus. The ACLU and Planned Parenthood have unveiled a legislative agenda in Michigan for this fall as they seek to get state lawmakers there to make access to abortion easier. They want to repeal the state law mandating a woman wait 24 hours before an abortion and repeal laws that limit insurance coverage of abortion. Right to Life Michigan has blasted the proposals. Pope Francis has sent a message to participants in the 60th International Congress of Forensic Toxologists in Rome calling for support to those who fall into drug addiction. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has the story. Pope Francis shared his concerns over the alarming increase in the consumption of drugs and psychotropic substances among teenagers and young people, further encouraged by their illegal and online sale on the so-called dark web. The Pope noted that the fragility and the insecurities of today's societies added to the critical stage of adolescence are important factors that can lead young people to dangerous choices and behaviours. The message highlighted in particular the new psychoactive substances, or NPS, whose use is rapidly expanding among adolescents who are often unaware of the health hazards associated with these drugs. Another point raised by the Pope was the increase in the use of doping substances in sports, which he said manifests the obsession of high performance at all costs. This phenomenon, Pope Francis remarked, should make us reflect on the modern society's culture of efficiency and productivity, which does not admit failure. In this context, the message continued, disoriented young people are more prone to rely on drugs to stem their anguish and lack of purpose in life and to overcome the fatigue of existing. Behind every addiction, the Pope noted, there are concrete stories of loneliness, exclusion and lack of integration to which we cannot be indifferent. As Jesus stopped, came close to and healed the wounds of the suffering, we too, the Pope concluded, are called to listen to the cry of loneliness and anguish and bring back to life those who fall into the slavery of drugs. I am Lisa Zingarini. And the president of the Pontifical Academy for Life has said food waste is a source of shame. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. The show notes is where you'll get the links and resources you heard about on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith and for the podcast to find and replay an interview. To check out the show notes every day, visit the new sacredheartradio.com. Schnell and Aquaman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee because our work is done right the first time for all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work. 
Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. A mass with the anointing of the sick will be held on Labor Day, September 4th at 11 a.m. at St. Antoninus Church in Western Hills. If you are seeking physical, emotional, or spiritual healing, we encourage you to come or to stand in for someone who is in need. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of the Passion of St. John the Baptist, Tuesday, August the 29th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, online at skpha.com. Got another nice day ahead, nice right now with temperatures in the upper 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny to partly cloudy today with a high of 83 degrees. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 60. Partly cloudy to mostly sunny tomorrow and a high of 78 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun today and a high of 82 degrees. Mainly clear tonight with some increasing clouds late, an overnight low of 58. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow with a high of 75 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Radio, 7.40 a.m., 9.10 a.m. Find us online at sacredheartradio.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, and August is the month of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That's what we kind of focus on as a devotional emphasis during the month of August. And to talk more about hearts in the Bible, Steve Ray now joining us. CatholicConvert.com is where you can find him on the Internet. In terms of where you can find him in real life, he seems to be in a different country every time I talk to him. But, Steve, good morning. Good morning, Matt. I'm here, but uh, soon I'll be in Israel for the next month. So I'll be doing these shows live from Israel with you. Very cool. Well, we get to look at the uh, the Bible, which, of course, comes directly from that place you'll be going to. How many times is the word heart used in the Bible? Well, the word heart is used 1,059 times in the whole Bible, 46 times in the Gospels alone. So it shows that it's really a significant word and concept in the Bible, something for us to pay attention to. So the word sacred is used 30 times. The word immaculate is never used. But if you realize immaculate means pure and holy, then you can extrapolate that that really is used uh, many times too, just not the exact word. So 1,059 times in the whole Bible is the word heart. That's a lot. That is a lot. It uh, is. You know, now you, if I recall correctly from your story, um, so I did this in Vacation Bible School in June of 1988. Uh, but I know when you were a little <laughs> kid, you knelt at uh, and by that green vinyl couch, and did you invite Jesus yeah. into your brain? No. <laughs> You didn't. You invited Jesus where? Into your heart. So even as evangelicals, we had an understanding of this physical and kind of metaphorical sort of, you know, images coming together. uh, uh, This idea of the heart as being the center of spiritual activity. Right. And we would say that you have to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and ask him to come into your heart. But there's never anywhere in the Bible where it says that you have to ask him to come into your heart. That was Baptist tradition. But in a way, it's also true because the heart represents the center of our being, the kind of the 
what makes us function. It's, it's us inside. And so to ask Jesus to come into our heart is a way of saying that you're asking him to come into the center of your being. The heart is actually a 10-ounce muscle. It's a muscle in our chest that weighs about 8 to 12 ounces, depending on how big you are. And it's actually a muscle that pumps blood. But it's also heart is used majority of times in the Bible, although it does mention it as a heart that way. But the majority of times it's a metaphorical, meaning describing the state of mind or moral condition of a person, the seat of a person's emotional being. So that's, and it's because the life is in the blood, the Bible says, and the heart's what pumps the blood around from the center of our chest. So it's always been seen as kind of the center of our being. So it's the heart of a man that looks for God, right? It's the center of our whole being. All right, I'm going to ask you a question that every Catholic probably has a sense of, but would have a little bit of a hard time explaining if somebody put them on the spot. What's the difference between a sacred heart and an immaculate heart? Well, a sacred heart is refers to Jesus. The sacred means it's holy. It's absolutely holy and sacred. That's what sacred means, set apart or holy. Immaculate means pure and sinless. So it's in a way also it means holy, but that's what we say Mary is the immaculate conception. So we say her heart is immaculate. It's without sin, and it's always looking to God. The sacred heart, of course, is the holy heart of Jesus. And now both of them, by the way, Jesus and Mary, both have real hearts and metaphorical hearts because both of them uh, have that center of their being. And that's when we look at the sacred heart of Jesus. Not only do we look at the heart that is actually pumping in his chest, but the heart. even God, it says, has a heart. In Genesis 6, 6, it says that he regretted making man because man grieved him to his heart. So that is a metaphorical heart. So sacred and immaculate, both Mary and Jesus had real hearts and metaphorical hearts. Well, there are uh, a lot of ways to address this question of Mary's Immaculate Heart and uh, the characteristics of it, but I can't help but uh, go directly to Luke chapter 2 when, uh, you know, Mary is looking back on everything that's happened in that first chapter and a half of Luke's gospel, uh, from the greeting of the angel to the birth of Jesus, and it says, she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And what a what a powerful thing to reflect upon. What does it mean for Mary to keep all these things in her heart. I feel like we should be reflecting on that as Christians. It is. And and just a little before that, or after that, actually, Simeon says to her that a sword will pierce your own soul, which is pretty much another word for heart. That There's going to be a sword to pierce your heart. And think of 15-year-old girl with her pudgy new baby going to the temple and hearing those words. How do you process that? 15? What do you mean a sword's going to pierce my own soul? Uh, and she's looking down. It means it's going to pierce my baby, too, and my soul too but to ponder those things in her heart is kind of I, I like to use the word to meditate or ruminate and i always use the example of a camel camel chewing his cud when you're over in israel you see this all the time the camel's laying there all of a sudden this big lump comes up his throat and then he starts chewing and then he swallows and another it comes up in his throat and what he's doing is he when he quickly gathers the the uh, grass or the weeds, and he chews them. He swallows them in the stomach, number one. And then when he doesn't have anything to do, when he's just laying there, he brings it back up out of stomach, number one, and he chews on it and swallows it back into stomach, number two. And that, this is the whole idea of ruminate. That's what it means. Animal who chooses cut is called one who ruminates. Ruminate is a 
synonym for meditate. We read the word of God, we hear God's word, and we kind of quickly put it away in our mind. And then when we're stuck at a train track or we're in a line somewhere, we can bring that back into our mind and chew on it some more. It's the whole idea of, of the camel in a sense. So Mary, she hears these words, she sees these things, and she ponders them, she remembers them in her heart, and she keeps them there as a treasure. And that treasure is there, and she keeps bringing it back up again to think about it and to meditate upon it. Mary didn't know everything. She's not God. She's not infinite. So she has to meditate on the Word of God like the rest of us, and she has to follow and believe God by faith like the rest of us does. And I love the way it says that she ponders these things in her heart. In another place it said she kept all these things in her heart. It's a wonderful thing to reflect upon. And, you know, with just a moment left, I, I do like to— sort of throw out the the notion that while we're talking about you know metaphor and spirituality and and deep philosophical meanings there is a physical connection because you know we know from science that the uh fetus from the embryonic stage from conception is a distinct other person with its own distinct dna but until 6 weeks and that thing has its own beating heart right uh yeah. It is relying on everything from the mother's heartbeat to kind of sustain it and get it going. So there's that just that profound physical connection that even Jesus's humility to rely on Mary's heart to get him started, right? His first yeah. days of conception is a powerful thing to reflect upon. It is. And there's a scientific word, microchimerism. It's a new thing they've discovered that from the cells of the baby, baby cells actually migrate into the mother. And the baby's cells stay in the mother for the rest of her life. This is very interesting considering the relationship between Jesus and Mary, that some of the fetus's uh, cells pass into the mother and they grow in the mother and stay there. So, I mean, Jesus and Mary being kind of this united one, even the cells, this microchimerism, it's called, that has been discovered to transfer cells from the baby's body into the mother's body and the mother's body into the baby's body. This is, brings a very close connection between Jesus and Mary and their hearts. I always bring that uh, fact up on the Feast of the Assumption because, you know, Jesus ascends into heaven. But just to make sure that we finish the job here, all the remaining <laughs> you know, the cells that have uh, stuck around in Mary's body, you know. We're going to bring her up, too. Upon. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Steve Ray, we've got CatholicConvert.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Hopefully people can head over and find some great resources. And looking forward to hearing from you in the Holy Land as you head there pretty soon. Thanks, Matt. All right. We're back with Chris McGregor thinking about John Chrysostom and repentance next. It's 14 till. Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. 
It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. To ask, why should I pray, is the same as asking, why should I raise my mind and heart to God, since that's what prayer is. But when stated like that, it's pretty obvious. We need to pray because God is He to whom our minds and hearts are ultimately directed. Union with Him is our ultimate destiny. Without prayer, we lose our direction to God as our ultimate end, and thus set ourselves on a path that leads back into the slavery of sin. Do you have a clean joke to share with the world? Share your story today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. I got a breakfast one, Anna Mitchell. You want no, a breakfast one? No, I don't. What? Okay, Matt. What? Why do seagulls? <laughs> why do seagulls fly over the sea? Why, Matt? Because if they flew over the bay, they'd be bagels. Neat. Thanks, we'll come up with something more exciting. Thank later. you for your clean joke, for your breakfast Matt. puns. That you're supposed to wait for Jerry and Debbie. You're going to run out of them. <sighs> I'll, Jerry and Debbie better hope I don't call. They better hope. <laughs> it's 12 till. Chris McGregor joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. It was a good morning until I heard that joke. Thank you yeah. for your support, Chris. Well, it's girl. We have to stick together. We girls got to stick together. Thank God I have you. Thank God I have you. <laughs> well, I am so excited to be talking to you because this week's selection from the Office of Readings that we're going to be discussing, uh, technically overtaken this year by the Feast of the Passion of John the Baptist, but it's the reading for the Tuesday of the twenty-first week in ordinary time. Uh, a piece from Saint John Chrysostom. Remind us who he is first of all. Well, he's great father of the church. The uh, He uh, died in the year 407. So he's right before some of the, the great teachers that we've heard of so often, like St. Augustine and many others. But his homilies were so powerful mm-hmm. that they've, they've lasted all these years. And this particular passage isn't it. It just, he sums it all up. Right? Oh, my gosh. I, yeah. The golden tongue does it. He just he, sums it right up. He knows how to do it. I mean, for real, uh, my jaw just dropped reading <laughs> this piece. So it's uh, it's entitled, um, at least in the Office of Readings, The Five Paths of Repentance. Now, before we dive into like all of his deeper thoughts, just what are these five paths? Well, isn't this wonderful? He sums it up for us halfway through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he brings it up because he's such a good preacher. He he sums it up. First is the condemnation of sins. That's the of the five paths. You have to you have to condemn the sin. You have to know it. Second, forgiving the sins of those near us. Mm-hmm. Third is prayer. Fourth is almsgiving. Fifth is humility. Now, this is how we have, we have to take some time to break these open, but it's so simple, isn't it? It sounds so simple. 
And then, you know, when you actually put it into practice, you're like, whoa, this is this is intense. And I mean, really, you, that comes out, I think. I mean, just reading what he had to say about each of these, you realize just how intense these are if if we truly do take it seriously. He says, like in the very beginning, the first path of, of con- is the condemnation of sin. So he challenges us to stir up your own conscience to be your accuser so that when you go before the judgment seat of the Lord, no one else will be able to rise up against you. What you need to do is you have to really dive into those areas. What are you holding on to? What is that sin? What is that block? That thing you can say, well, I can do this for a little while, but no, you have to. No, this is a sin. This is truth. This is something that's uh, that I love more than I love God. Now, I don't want to let it go, at least not today. You know, and he, what he's saying is you have to understand that and you have to condemn that sin. That's really tough, isn't it? Yeah. Stir up your own conscience to be your accuser so that when you come before the judgment seat of the Lord, no one will rise up to accuse you. I mean... Okay, St. John. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I get it. Now, this next part, um, I mean, we pray it so often in the Our Father, you know, as we forgive those who trespass against us, but he just brings it out in this. I mean, we can't, you were talking about, we can't hold on to our sins. We also mm-hmm. can't hold on to our anger against those who sin against us. See, that's that's sinful too. Yeah. I mean, that's a sin. It is it, what he tells us is to forget the harm done to us by our enemies, to master our anger, and to forgive the sins of those who are slaves together with us. Mm-hmm. They're sinners just like us. Now, what's challenging in a very real way is when he says it is, uh, it is to forget the harm done to us by our enemies. Now, forget has a couple of different definitions to it, right? Mm -hmm. You forget where, I I just, I forgot where the keys are. And there's another type of forgetting where it's an action of your will. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to keep bringing it up. I'm not going to keep remembering. I'm going to forget it to the extent that I'm going to let it go, right? And then uh, to forgive in that sense that I accept that it happened, Someone hurt me. Somebody did something to me. An action was taken. I accept that it happened, and now I'm going to forget. I'm going to let it go. And sometimes that's not so easy for us, is it, Anna? Because what you know, we almost have to. Be, we have to be like our Lord. We almost know we have to be like Him on the cross, hanging from the tree, hanging from the cross, looking down and saying, "Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing." Sometimes when we don't have the power ourselves. We have to be like our Lord and say, and I do this so often because I'm so broken. You know, I, I turn to the Lord and I say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing and help me to get there. Yeah. Help me to get there. And, and you know, and that's what divine mercy is all about. And in your mercy, you know, help me. And so that's the, what he's talking about in that second um second path, I think. What do you think? Well, you know what really stands out to me is where he says, this is the second path to the expiation of our sins. 
And I was mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, we have we have this term imperfect contrition, right, where, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, we're sorry um, for our sins and ask for forgiveness um, out of, you know, fear of, of damnation, um, which is sufficient to have our sins forgiven, but is not perfect, um, perfect, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm just looking for? Perfect contrition. Thank you. Yeah, contrition. Yeah. Yes, and Amendment. where where yeah. we are sorry for our sins because they have harmed our father. I, I almost feel like this is imperfect uh, mercy in a way, uh, just to kind of like extend the metaphor here, uh, because we can forgive people because we want the Lord to forgive us. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? That that we need to remember that this is a path for us to be forgiven as well. That's right. He brings out anger because oftentimes when we have unforgiveness and you see it in the scriptures all the time, they're connected. Forget and take away your anger. And those are so important. And I you know, and then he brings it down to you have you can only do this. The third path, you got to have prayer, 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 mm-hmm. almsgiving. It means give of yourself, give away. And then just like that widow's might, and then humility to know yourself. Give away your pride. Uh It's a lot of giving away, I think. Um, If I were to pick a theme from all of this is giving up to the Lord because the Lord is life-giving. He gives his life to us, and that is what we're called to do as well. DiscerningHearts.com, linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Wish we had more time to talk about it, Chris. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, and we'll forgive the the bad jokes. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) we'll forget. It's okay. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle will discuss her book, 30 Eucharistic Visits with Mary. Alan Migliorato will share his latest adventure Catholic parenting tip. I will reflect on the death of St. John the Baptist, the frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com.
Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Hi, I'm Guy Cagney with the Cagney Family and Coble Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Our Catholic faith is the center of our family life and how we do our real estate business. Hope that you and your family will remain safe and healthy this year. 513-347-1888. I'm Father Dan Schmidtmeyer, Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new day. Here is Continue on this Tuesday, the 29th of August, the memorial of the Passion of St. John the Baptist by praying more of the litany of St. John the Baptist in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. John the Baptist, precursor of Christ, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, glorious forerunner of the Son of Justice, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, minister of baptism to Jesus, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, burning and shining lamp of the world, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, angel of purity before thy birth, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, voice crying in the wilderness, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, example of profound humility, pray for us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Tuesday, the 29th of August. I hope you're doing well. Good morning to all the Johns listening this morning. John's technically my first name, and uh, it's my dad's first name, technically. It's my son's first name, technically. All of us are named John in one way or another. So uh, so we get to celebrate, and plenty of Johns and Wands uh, and the like out there this morning. Happy feast day to you. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman has sports here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the Reds to get off the West Coast. I never like it when they start games after my bedtime. But, well, hopefully they'll come back soon. Up this hour, we will talk to Father Rob Jack. More thoughts on stories from the Old Testament that everyone should know, every Catholic should know. We'll discuss St. Thomas Aquinas and his thoughts on the Eucharist with uh, Dr. Jared Stout. Gary Zimek has more stories from the scriptures of people who experienced loss and grief and anxiety and how Jesus comforted them. Today we're sp- talking specifically about grief. And then Andrew Swafford from the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament is going to look at the book of First Samuel today as we continue our series, taking one book at a time with him. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The advocates behind the proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution 
that's set to go before voters in the fall are suing the state ballot board. In the litigation filed yesterday, Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights claims a summary of the measure that's been approved to appear on the ballot is what they call deceptive and inaccurate. They're asking the state Supreme Court to order the ballot board to place the full language of the amendment on the ballot or make changes that they would say would be accurately and fairly reflecting the terms included in the measure. Among their grievances is the use of the term unborn child instead of fetus. Meanwhile, in Michigan, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood have unveiled a legislative agenda there for this fall as they seek to get lawmakers to make access to abortion easier. They want to appeal a state law mandating a woman wait 24 hours before an abortion and repeal laws that limit insurance coverage of abortion. Right to Life of Michigan has blasted the proposals. Former President Trump will be arraigned in the Georgia election interference case next week. Mark Mayfield reports. A Fulton County Superior Court judge has scheduled the arraignments for all 19 co-defendants in the case for September 6th. Trump will be the first to be arraigned at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. He will then be followed by the 18 other co-defendants in 15-minute increments. Trump and the 18 other co-defendants face charges over alleged attempts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election. I'm Mark Mayfield. Idalia has now reached hurricane status. The National Hurricane Center says the Category 1 storm is packing maximum sustained winds of 75 miles per hour as it makes its way toward Florida. Forecasters expect Idalia to continue gaining strength, intensifying into a dangerous major hurricane before it makes landfall tomorrow. The journal La Civita Cattolica has published the transcript of the Pope's recent meeting with his fellow Jesuits in Portugal when he was there for World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Throughout World Youth Day in Lisbon, the rallying cry for an all-embracing church resonated powerfully with the words todos, todos, as he stressed that the church has space for everyone. The Pope reiterated his call to embrace homosexual people within the church. He critiqued the disproportionate fixation on sexual transgressions, noting that other so-called offenses often remain overlooked. The Pope also recounted an encounter with a group of transgender individuals who were moved by tears by the Pope's acceptance and empathy. He underscored the necessity of reaching out to marginalized communities who often grapple with feelings of rejection, and he accentuated the significance of empathy and compassion. Addressing critical global concerns, Pope Francis conveyed deep apprehension over the persistent prevalence of wars since the conclusion of World War II. He spotlighted the contemporary state of global affairs and underscored the imperative of seeking peaceful resolutions. The dialogue delved into tensions existing within the church, including reactionary attitudes and resistance to the tenets of the Second Vatican Council. The pontiff acknowledged the intricate challenges posed by those who scrutinize Vatican II without explicitly naming it. He underscored the dynamic nature of doctrinal evolution and expounded on the notion that church doctrine is not an unchanging monolith, but rather an evolving entity. He invoked historical instances such as the changing perspectives on the death penalty, nuclear weapons and slavery to illustrate the fluidity of doctrine over time. Pope Francis expressed apprehensions about the encroachment of excessive worldliness into religious life. He cautioned against compromising core values with the allure of worldly ideologies. 
Finally, Pope Francis conveyed his anticipation regarding the impending synod. He clarified that the synod wasn't his brainchild. Instead, it aimed to restore synodality within the church, a concept first championed by Pope Paul VI. He also emphasized that the driving force behind the synod was the Holy Spirit. I'm Francesca Merlo. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Luckman. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to have good news again. But uh, right now, Red's struggling offensively. 4-1 to one final score. Giants knock off our Cincinnati Reds uh, on in the opener in San Francisco. Andrew Abbott. Uh, usually sharp, he earned the loss after surrendering three runs on five hits. Strike, struck out six batters, but uh, only went three-plus innings. Ellie De La Cruz drove in the lone run for Cincinnati. Reds dropped uh, a, another game. That's back-to-back games. Reds are trying to uh, stay in the wildcard picture. Still, believe it or not, just a game and a half back. So uh, just string a few wins together, a lot of wins together. That would actually help. Uh, what's not helping the cause. Reds are dealing with the injury bug again. Matt McLean placed on the 10-day disabled list or injured list with an oblique strain. The infielder is having a great season, batting 290, 16 homers, 50 runs batted in. Stuart Fairchild activated from the concussion list uh, as the uh, following roster move. How about Jose Altuve? He became the uh, second baseman uh, or the uh, first Astro to hit for the uh, Psycho since 2013. Uh, so uh, congratulations there. He did that at Fenway Park as well. Wow. So uh, always fun to see uh, the Astros. Um, well, maybe not the Astros, but I like Jose Altuve. I don't have a problem with him. 13-5 oh, okay. winners, and uh, it's, it's wow. fun to see a cycle. Well, know. especially in Fenway. Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. I think that's what you meant, not necessarily the Astros but thank you I was stumbling there toward the end I mean it uh, I feel like I'm the Reds uh you know the aye, aye. I have my good stretches An and then bleak strain that's you know, like strain. the like a, along your sides I think yeah right? yeah and so I mean, that would mean he wouldn't have much power to hit the ball if hit he's, the ball you know, throw the ball uh yeah. stretch out for you know with the gloves so, so he's got to get that better we, but, oh, we need you back, Matt. But yeah. uh, obviously, take your time and uh, make sure you come back fully but healthy. But get better fast. Oh, as fast as possible. Yeah. Godspeeds. Lots of ice. Right. Yeah. Rice. Rice is the, the method. Rice? I yeah. said ice. I know. But uh, rest, ice, oh. compression, elevation. There you go. How do That's you fine. elevate your side, though? You can't. You can't. That's so why it's wrong. Rice. It's not. That's what you do for your ankle or wrist or something. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for calling me out, Anna Mitchell. You are you gave you gave Matt Swaim no breathing room with his joke, and you are giving me no breathing room. That's the second time you oh called me my out. Gosh. You called me out on uh, what was it just the okay. other day? Precision uh, language. Yeah. Precision language. That was it. Feisty today, Yeah, I guess I didn't realize I was feisty until Matt started making, you know, clean jokes. (laughs) Okay. All right, let's get the traffic. We got a lot of traffic to get to, unfortunately. Traffic, a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. 
What you got, Anna? We're going to start off in the Dayton area because if you're on southbound 75, uh, you are dealing with a delay up to an hour right now. There's an accident at Wagner Ford, and the backup is back past I-70. So if you can find an alternate route at the moment, that would be a good idea. Eastbound 35 is running slow from before Smithville over toward the uh, 675 interchange. And then in the Cincinnati area, I've got a bunch of slow traffic as well. Southbound 71, slow from uh, Western Row all the way down to the Norwood Lateral is when things start clearing up. Uh, Northbound 71, slowing from the Norwood Lateral up toward Pfeiffer. Outer loop of 275, heading westbound. You're on the brakes from Ward's Corner up to the 71 interchange. Moving over to 75 southbound, you're slowing from Union Center Boulevard down through the Lachlan Split. Eastbound 74 is slow from just before North Bend into the 75 interchange. And then in northern Kentucky, you're going to find slow traffic on westbound 275 um, from Turkey Foot on over toward, uh, we'll say like, Mineola Pike. So just before the airport, if you're going to the airport, you might need a few extra minutes right now. Northbound 7175 on the brakes from Mall Road up to the Cut in the Hill. Northbound 471 slow from 275 up to the river. Okay, I'm almost out of breath with traffic, but let's get to weather, which is much better news. Looks like it's going to be another awesome day. Mostly sunny to partly cloudy today in Cincinnati with a high of 83. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 60. Partly cloudy to mostly sunny tomorrow and a high of 78. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun today and a high of 82. Mostly clear tonight with an overnight low of 58. Partly cloudy tomorrow and a high of 75. Today is Tuesday, August the 29th, the Feast of the Passion of St. John the Baptist, his martyrdom. 12 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Matt. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Rob Jack from Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio. Heard afternoons on uh, all the affiliates of that station based out of Cincinnati. He's a priest of the Archdiocese. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. So we get to talk today about the Book of Judges, and there are a lot of uh, pretty incredible stories in the Book of Judges. But if you're not paying close attention, you might miss the fact that all of them kind of follow something of a pattern. I wonder if you could share that with us. You know, what we see is the book of Judges comes about, Israel has now made an end of the promised land. Joshua has died, and now they're trying to set up their kingdom. And the original plan of the kingdom, of course, was that they would all serve the Lord. What they didn't realize is how hard it was going to be to serve the Lord. And this really is what the book of Judges is talking about. Are we talking about about the judges, or are we talking about you and I right now? Pretty much the same thing. That's what I thought. This is the thing about the great thing about the book of Judges. It foretells really the the state of the human race uh, until Christ comes to fulfill. And even though Christ has fulfilled all things, we're still going through the struggles that Israel has gone through. It hasn't stopped. You know, when we think about it, God promised, it took him 40 years to get him to the promised land. They got there. And then it was their land flowing with milk and honey. God would take care of them. God, But they, on the other hand, because they had come in and with the Canaanite people, they fell into the pagan gods. In other words, all the blessings that they received, they began to take for granted. 
they began to take the credit for it and recognize that it wasn't God who did it, but because of all the people they were living around, they took on some of their culture, some of their pagan religion. And as a result of this, we begin to see this, what I call a biblical cycle of salvation, which is still playing out today. Now, the first stage is the blessings, the flowing milk and honey, the peace, the great, uh, the increase of the tribes. But then there is idolatry and false worship. And when that happens, it gets to the point where if they reject God, then God allows their rejection to have an effect, and they lose the land. And once they lose the land, they're now on the verge of giving, of losing everything. And so at this time, God steps in and sends a judge. And these judges are men and women, like Deborah or like Samson or like Gideon, who's in the readings for the Mass this week. And what we see is that God pulled these people out to pull Israel out of its own self-destructive path. But it doesn't last long. And this is the cycle. So we go, as I said, blessings. And then idolatry, loss of the land. Then they cry to the Lord. The Lord hears their cry. They're restored. And when they're restored and rebuilt, it doesn't take long before they go back into the cycle of idolatry and loss of the land. And this is what they're constantly doing in the book of Judges. It's, first of all, it's, it's great reading. But second of all, it teaches us some very, very important lessons about our human life. And you and I, as we were saying, you know, things haven't changed since the time of the Judges. No, they haven't changed much. I mean, you talk about these uh, these periods of time in the life of the children of Israel, of the the blessings of God, followed by the forgetting of God and the turning to false idols, then the consequences of that rejection, then the realization of those consequences and the realization of the need for help out of them. Uh, I don't know. That sounds like a Tuesday in my world. I mean, it's, it's it, it pretty, really does. Pretty and similar. Is, it, it really does. And this is really the challenge that we're facing that uh, one of the great gifts of God being intimately involved in our life, which is clear in the Old Testament, is God is trying to constantly save us from falling off the cliff, from running off the cliff, not just falling, running off the cliff. And we see how it is even being carried out today, where we have people running towards artificial intelligence, running towards our idea of, of uh, our strange view of the human person, running towards all of this destruction. And we're seeing the effect of it now in society. And the question is, why is God allowing this to happen? He says, God's allowing it to happen because no one is going to the Lord to get help. And this is where the church comes in, because the church with Christ has attempted to stop this. But see, in the time of Judges, it wasn't the case. The very end of the book of Judges in chapter 21, there is a very sad line. It's, I'm sorry, it's verse 25. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what he, was, he thought was right in his own eyes. In other words, they, when the tribes had, had not come together, there had been no king because God was to be their king. Everyone was doing things in their own way, which is never a good sign of the formation of the people, just as it is a never a good sign of the sustenance of the church. Yeah, if everybody goes their own way, then uh, we got problems. And, you know, we see echoes of that, right? Uh, there's a great temptation to tribalism in the church to set ourselves off in camps, set ourselves against one another. And, uh, you know, in fact, we're all supposed to be led by the same Lord. 
and that ought to that ought to make a difference. Uh, but I wonder if somebody wants to dig into the book of Judges, and they're only going to pick one judge to read about this morning. Who would you say to to pick out? Well, often the one that's probably best known is Samson, and Samson, of course, was the uh, son of a, of uh, the wife of, the, of Manoah. And Samson, of course, his job was to take on the on the pagans at the time, and and God had made him what was called later a Nazarite. In other words, he was to have no strong drink, no razor was ever to touch his head, and the strength he had come from that. And as long as Samson was doing this, he was able to protect Israel and win Israel's battles against the Canaanites. Until, of course, he comes across this uh, young lady whose name is, as you know. Delilah. Delilah, Samson and Delilah. Even in even in the 1950s songs, we hear that sitting in Delilah, and Delilah then is coached by the enemies to find out where Samson gets his strength. And of course, Samson uh, tells her, and it comes from his hair. And so one night he falls asleep in her arms, and she shaves the locks from his head, and he thought he had strength. But he didn't anymore, and so now he is. He they they uh, treat him badly. They gouge out his eyes, and they have this big party to their god. Samson is there, and he begs the Lord one more time to have strength to conquer his foes. And he has a servant get him between two pillars in this big house. And what happens? He prays the Lord for strength. The Lord gives him that strength so that he's able to pushed the pillars across, crushed the whole building, and he killed more people in that moment who were the pagans than he did in all of his combined battles. And so the judges were in many ways tragic figures. They still didn't learn to trust the Lord. And in the process of this, it's clear for Israel to, to sustain itself as Israel must not lose its identity, just as we, if we're going to remain the church, we can't lose our identity by giving in to worldliness and, and really losing what Christ not only has revealed to us, but more importantly, what he makes available to us through the Holy Spirit. We just aren't asking for the Holy Spirit. Thanks so much, Father Rob Jack. And of course, you can catch Father Rob every afternoon on the drive home on Driving Home the Faith. And I hope I didn't confuse any of you who heard the word Delilah on the radio and thought you were listening to something else. But at any rate, We'll talk to you here in just a minute after the break. We'll come back with traffic and weather right after this. It's 21 past. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at bridgetownfinermeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at bridgetownfinermeats.com. St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can help you share your faith in style with high-quality socks and T-shirts featuring your favorite saints and the Blessed Mother. St. Michael's Rosaries in beautiful Miamisburg or online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping. 
513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. 22 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Still got the left two lane blocks Left two lanes blocked. Let me get my tongue in order here. With an accident on southbound 75 at Wagner Ford, at least an hour delay right now, back past I-70. So uh, might want to find a new route if uh, that's your usual way to get to wherever you're headed this morning. Eastbound 35 slowing from Smithville into the uh, 675 interchange in the Cincinnati area. There is an accident blocking the left lane of westbound 275 at Mineola Pike. And so if you're headed to the airport, you're dealing with a delay back toward Dixie Highway right now. Northbound 7175, you're on the brakes from Burlington Pike up to the cut in the hill. Northbound 471 slowing from 275 up to the river. Southbound 71, it looks like a disabled vehicle blocking the right lane at Ronald Reagan has you stacked up. Um, slow traffic back toward Kings Island and will remain slow until you get to uh, the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 75, off and on heavy and slow from Union Center Boulevard through the Lachlan Split. Now for weather, mostly sunny to partly cloudy today in Cincinnati with a high of 83 degrees. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 60. Partly cloudy to mostly sunny tomorrow and high of 78. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun today and a high of 82. Mostly clear tonight with an overnight low of 58, partly cloudy tomorrow, and a high of 75 degrees. Dr. Jared Stout joins us next. It's 24 past. Homegrown is better. Hi, Bill Levitt here, and for more than two decades, Sacred Heart Radio has filled the airwaves of Cincinnati, Dayton, and Covington with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Catholic perspective on important issues and events. And because you've participated from day one, we've had the resources to share the ministry of many local priests and deacons and to broadcast the numerous spiritual events occurring throughout the Tri-State. Now, recently, with hundreds of you responding to our listener survey, we not only have the data to add more of the content you want to hear, but we also sent out over 500 of our T-shirts and bumper magnets to give you the swag to show others where they can hear Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. But even though we'll soon grow to seven media platforms when the Sunrise Morning Show goes to video, our work to bring others to Christ has only just begun. So please keep telling your neighbors, co-workers, and fellow parishioners where locally they will hear the good news on Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. A Mass with the Anointing of the Sick will be held on Labor Day, September 4th at 11 a.m. at St. Antoninus Church in Western Hills. If you are seeking physical, emotional, or spiritual healing, we encourage you to come or to stand in for someone who is in need. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. For over 90 years, the Jesuit Spiritual Center at Milford has enriched the spiritual lives of youth and adults, offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality. 
Enter into the silence of a weekend retreat and experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. It's 26 minutes past the hour. And back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, from Tan Books. Good morning, Dr. Stout. Good morning, Annie. I'm just wondering if we're ever going to talk about how the Eucharist can actually save civilization, though. We've been going through this book so carefully. (laughs) Well, it's because there's so much good stuff in here that I just want to, like, hear it from you even more deeply. So I'm sorry if you think we're moving too slowly, but... I plan on. No, it's, I mean, it's a great conversation. I'm really I'm savoring it. We've been talking for months, but we haven't gotten to the thesis <laughs> yet. <laughs> well, you know, it just, it absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? So people are just, they're waiting for it. They're waiting for it. And we are. We're continuing our journey through through church history right now um, to get a sense of, of the development of doctrine as it pertains to the Eucharist. So we talked before about how in the early church, the word transubstantiation wasn't used as such but certainly the belief in that concept if you will was there and and over time teaching becomes more refined especially when when heresies crop up and and try to challenge orthodoxy in this matter so that then takes us to the fourth lateran council what happened there well we have transubstantiation being defined as a dogma it was already taught definitively by the church, backed by local councils and the popes. Uh, but here it is actually put forward as a formula. That's what a dogma is, like a, a formula for belief by ordinary Catholics. So to say that to, to be a Catholic in good standing, this is a proposition that you must assent to, that the body and blood of Jesus Christ are made substantially present uh, during the Mass. And so then comes St. Thomas Aquinas. He's born about a decade after this council. Now, I mean, I don't know if we can stress enough just how important he is when it comes to our understanding of what the Church has taught from the beginning on the Eucharist. One of the great things about Aquinas is that he's not actually very novel. I mean, you can see brilliant insights here and there, but what he does is to condense the entire tradition of the church. He was very deeply immersed in scripture. Not everybody realizes that. They just think, oh, he was into philosophy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Bible by far is the, the number one source uh, that he uses in the Summa. So you have scripture, you do have philosophy, which is relevant for the doctrine of transubstantiation. What's a substance? What does it mean to change from one substance to another substance? But you have the, the church fathers, all of the ecumenical councils, even recent controversies. We were talking about Berenger of Tours last week. That comes into Aquinas's thinking. So he brings all of this together and is able to distill it. 
Another thing that surprises people about Aquinas is that when you open up the Summa, it's actually composed of succinct articles. Um, and so he doesn't go on page after page after page on each topic. I mean, you can find more in-depth treatment of particular topics in other works of mm-hmm. his. But in the Summa, everything is is very short and and distilled so that you can easily understand it. He's a very clear and accessible writer. And that's really is what is of so much value when it comes to transubstantiation. He's taking the whole tradition of the church on the teaching of the Eucharist, breaks it up into these easily digestible articles, and lays out a very definitive treatment of the theology of the Eucharist. Yeah, you know, and something that I thought was interesting that that you write about in the book here, Dr. Stout, is um, I, I was thinking about it because we're here on earth. So when we're looking at the Eucharist, um, I think our minds automatically, if we're trying to think about transubstantiation and all of that, we're thinking about, you know, the bread and the wine being substantially changed. But something I never really thought about is like, what's happening with Jesus in heaven when all of this is taking place on the altar? And that actually was a big controversy earlier in the Middle Ages. Um, Is the Eucharist the very same body and blood of Jesus Christ in heaven? And during the period of monastic theology, people disagreed on that. Some said yes, some said no. Uh, But the doctrine of transubstantiation points to the fact that, you know, Jesus only has one body. Um, And this, of course, is his resurrected body in heaven, and that is the body that is made present to us on the altar. Now, I suppose, you know, if there's any extension of that body, it's not in the Eucharist, because that's the very same body. But if we want to look beyond that, it would be us, right? We're mystically incorporated into the body of Christ. But we receive that grace by receiving Christ's actual body and blood that are in heaven when we come to the sacrament. But Aquinas makes it clear it's not that body and blood leaving heaven and kind of moving down, like taking a train or something from heaven Mm -hmm. down to the altar. He says it's a unique mode of presence. So it's a sacramental presence. So what does that mean? Through, Through the miracle of transubstantiation, the, the body and blood of Christ, which are in heaven, are made present in a unique way, right? You know, if I wanted to be present at a church a thousand miles away, right, I'd have to get in my car or get on a plane or whatever and travel over there without moving, right, without uh, leaving heaven or anything like that, Jesus can be present upon all of the altars of the world, even at, at the same moment, in part, of course, because he is the Son of God, right? And so miraculously, he is able to present his body uh, to us at every single Mass. Well, it's really incredible what St. Thomas Aquinas was able to uh, accomplish, if you will, in, in the Summa. And the Summa is all well and good, Dr. Stout, but those hymns he wrote, oh my gosh, like, they're incredible. So Aquinas was a professor at the University of Paris. Uh, He was there as a student, and then he did two different teaching stints there. Uh, But, you know, he was a native of central Italy, and he spent a good amount of time there too. And so during uh, one of his kind of interim periods uh, in between teaching stints in Paris, he was back uh, working underneath the Pope. And and during this time, he established 
um, a Dominican House of Studies in Rome, which is now the Angelicum College. But the popes, you know, kind of traveled around that area, and there was a pope up in Viterbo, uh, Italy, when a nearby miracle happened. It was the miracle of Bassano, um, which is now stored in the cathedral at Orvieto. So people call it the, the miracle of Bassano or Orvieto, both. And there was a priest who was doubting the reality of transubstantiation, and the host actually bled uh, during as he was elevating the host, bled down onto the altar and down the steps of the church in Balsano. Um, this was the same time when a, a mystic in Liège, Belgium, was calling for the institution of the Feast of Corpus Christi, uh, that she had had revelations that the Lord was asking for this feast uh, dedicated to his body, Eucharistic body. So Aquinas just happened to be in that area when this miracle happened, which inspired the Pope to establish the Feast of Corpus Christi for the entire church. And so he said, okay, Aquinas, right, you're this great theologian. How about writing some poetry, right? And because uh, the new feast day required hymns, especially for the, the divine office, the Liturgy of the Hours, but also for the Mass, um, there's a sequence that we read uh, before the gospel on the Feast of Corpus Christi. So Aquinas wrote these hymns, which show that, you know, he's not just this egghead, right? He has this romantic, more poetic uh, sensibility um, as well. And you may not know this, but, you know, when you go to Mass and then afterwards, you know, sometimes we'll have benediction of Blessed Sacrament, you know, you may hear these hymns, you know, um, Tantum ergo sacramentum, o salutaris hostia, or even on Holy Thursday at the Mass, mm -hmm. Pange lingua gloriosi, right? Th these are hymns of St. Thomas Aquinas. And then also the sequence for Cor Corpus Christi, which is Laude Zion. And you can see how he put, you know, this more complicated theology into poetic form for the, for the average person. For instance, one of the things he talks about in the Summa is that when the priest breaks the host, that Christ is fully present in both pieces of the host. So and in this Laude Zion sequence, he says, they too who of him partake sever not, nor rend, nor break, right? You know, you're not mm. breaking Jesus when you break the host, but entire their Lord receive, whether, whether one or thousands eat, all receive the selfsame meat nor the less for others leave, right? So, you know, when, when you're consuming Jesus, you're not like taking them all up for yourself, right? Everyone partakes of them whole and complete, no matter how many hosts there are, no matter how many pieces the hosts are breaking into, everyone is, is receiving the full and entire Christ. And so that's one example of a poetic rendering of one of his theological points from the Summa. Capturing us through beauty as well as through uh, theology and philosophy, just, um, well, that's why they call him the, the doctor of the Eucharist, St. Thomas Aquinas. We've been talking about it with uh, Dr. Jared Stout, and you can go pick up a copy of his book. Highly recommend you do so you can follow along carefully with us how the Eucharist can save civilization. We will eventually get to the, the thesis of this book one day, Dr. Stout. <laughs> but in the meantime, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. It is 37 minutes past the hour now. We are late for news. The advocates behind the proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution are set, which is set to go before Ohio vo voters in November, are suing the state ballot board. In the litigation filed yesterday, 
Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights claims a summary of the measure that's been approved to appeal appear on the ballot is, quote, deceptive and, quote, inaccurate, as they put it. They're asking the state Supreme Court to order the ballot board to place the full language of the amendment on the ballot or make changes that they believe would accurately reflect the terms included in the measure. Among their grievances is the use of the term unborn child instead of fetus. The University of North Carolina has confirmed a faculty member was killed after a shooting on campus yesterday. Trey Thomas reports. Police say they have a suspect in custody, but are not releasing a name or possible charges. This loss is devastating, and uh, the shooting damages the trust and safety that we so often take for granted uh, in our campus community. Earlier reports indicated the shooter was a grad student. Officials also said classes will be canceled on Tuesday. The shooting took place in a laboratory and triggered a three-hour lockdown. I'm Trey Thomas. Andy Dahlia is now reaching hurricane status. The National Hurricane Center says the Category 1 storm is packing maximum sustained winds of 75 miles per hour as it makes its way toward Florida. 839 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Here's Paul Lachman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. If you stayed up late to watch the Reds, well, you were disappointed. Four to one final score. San Francisco edged the Cincinnati Reds yesterday. Andrew Rabbit, he's pitched better. He's going to have to pitch better next time out. Earned the loss, surrendering three runs on five hits while striking out six batters, but uh, only worked three-plus innings. Reds uh, drop back-to-back games and are still in third place in the NL Central at 68 and 65. Still a half a game, a game and a half back of the uh, wild card. Red Legs will uh, try to bounce back in uh, game two of the three-game series tonight. Meanwhile, Reds are placing uh, Matt McLean on the 10-day disabled list with an oblique strain. The infielder is having a uh, heck of a season, batting 290 this year with 16 homers and 50 runs batted in. That's check in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zimak from followingthetruth.com. Gary, good morning. 
Good morning, Matt. So today uh, we're going through, uh, continue to go through your book, When Your Days Are Dark, God is Still Good. And you recount all these scriptural stories of uh, people who are just like you and me who have gone through uh, difficult things. And this is one that, unfortunately, we've all gone through, which is the death of a loved one. Um, and you've got a couple of instances of this and uh, a bit of an angle that people might not expect this morning. Uh, which episodes are you looking at from the Gospels? You know, Matt, before I, before I talk about that, I want to say this is uh, probably the toughest chapter in the book that I had to write when you're grieving the, the death of a loved one, because I, I, sometimes you just don't know what to say to someone who is grieving, you know, and it's, uh, it's always difficult. But I felt that the, the Holy Spirit really wanted me to write this chapter, and um, let me just read it, then we'll, we'll talk about it. And, and I do pray that whatever you and I say today is going to comfort someone who is really grieving this morning. Um, the, the story in the chapter is based uh, upon uh, an account that Luke writes about in chapter 7 of his gospel. When Jesus encountered a grieving crowd, it was due to a funeral, and what had happened was a woman, a widow, was burying her only son, her only means of support, her son, you know, she has no husband. She has nobody else to support her now. She's grieving the loss, and she is um, she's basically hysterical. And Jesus encounters her in the crowd, and I think that's an important point. That's what really touched me about this. He picks her out of the crowd, and he has pity on her. He stops what he's doing. He has pity on her, and he basically raises the son from the dead, gives him back to her. And, um, you know, it, there's just so many ways we can we can look at that, and it's not something we would expect to see in our lifetime that the Lord is going to raise our loved ones from the dead. But I, but I think what's important is that he noticed her grief, and he did something about it. He had pity on her, and he did something about it. And then this is the only chapter in the book where I not only look at one story of God working good in a very difficult situation— but I, but I look at two. I also look at the words of Jesus when he recognizes that prior to his death, he recognizes that the apostles are going to grieve for him once he's gone. And he basically tells them, guys, hang in there. Even though you grieve now, there's something better on the way, and we're going to see each other again. And I think when you put these two stories together, we can have hope that our loved ones, are going to are in the hands of the Lord right now, and even though our grief is going to be real, we can't replace them. The Lord can comfort us and also give us the hope that one day not only will we see them again, but they're in His capable hands right now. Well, they're certainly out of ours. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, yeah. that's yeah. about all we know um, in in regard to this. And the church, you know, calls us to commend them to the Lord. Uh, I mean, that's that's about all we can do, right? But it is a huge thing to commend them to the Lord. I mean, think about the way that a Catholic funeral is structured. Uh, you know, even the way that the Church says, hey, this the, the Mass here is not for us to talk about our cool memories. The Mass here is to commend this person to the Lord. Um, right. Even in that, that's a, that's a way for us to sort of channel our grief um, as an act of love towards the person we've lost. Uh, but, Gary, I don't know about you. I've found um, that there's only one thing that you can do to avoid saying the wrong thing. 
in a situation like that to someone you know and love who's grieving, and that is to not talk at all, right? I mean, mm. there's just such a minefield of of things you can say that are accidentally a pious platitude or or whatever. And in so many of these cases, you see very little. When Jesus comes to a person who's grieving, you don't see much word stuff from him at all, right? And, and in right. the case of Lazarus, he weeps with the people who are there. Right, right. And I, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head, Matt, and that's what I'm, I've been working on this for years, and I'm starting to realize that, too. It, it's best to just be there for the person to say, I'm sorry, because the words don't matter. You don't want to mislead anybody. The easiest thing to say, and it happens, unfortunately, too much, is, oh, your loved one's in heaven. Well, as I write in the chapter, we don't know that for sure. We do know that the Lord is merciful, and he's going to give us every chance possible to, to make it to heaven. He's going to give us chance after chance after chance. He wants us to be there. That's what the Bible tells us. But we don't want to, we don't want to you know, depart from what the church teaches and say, well, they're definitely in heaven. We, we, we don't know that. Now, are they in the hands of someone who loves them? Yeah, the, I mean, they're... We, as you said, we commend them to the Lord. We ask for his mercy. We beg that they will be received into heaven. And that's the beauty of the funeral mass. That's the beauty of being able to have masses said for our deceased loved ones. But ultimately, the best thing we can do for someone is to just be there for them. And I'm sorry goes a long way. That's a good expression of grief. Or is there anything I can do for you? I mean, that's the Lord showed that he, he had mercy on this woman. He he pitied her. You know, he had compassion on her. And, and that's really the best thing we can do. And as someone who has experienced that, when people, I, I've lost both my parents, and when I've experienced that from others, that their presence, they're just, I'm sorry, that goes a long way. And that really did comfort me. Well, and the Lord uh, being with us and being with the person that we've lost, I mean, these are these are things that, that, that help us out, especially because, you know, let's be honest, Gary, everybody grieves a little bit differently. You know, some yeah. people are not in the mood to hear the funny stories of the funny things that somebody did, right? Some yeah. people, that's yeah. the only way they can kind of snap out of it and, and really, uh, you know, kind of get that energy and strength to, to, to pray those prayers, committing their loved one to the Lord. We're all kind of wired a little bit differently. And, um, yeah, that's, this is a, it's a lot to, lot to, <laughs> a lot to chew on, especially, you know, for anybody who's going through this right now and it's really yeah. raw and fresh. And, uh, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not going to discount the fact that somebody might lose somebody today. Right. I mean, this is this yeah. is how life yeah. goes. Um, but uh, if our listeners want to read more uh, of your reflections and thoughts on this and, and read more uh, kind of unpacking of how Jesus treats these situations himself and the Gospels, how do they find your book? Matt, the easiest place is to go to my website, followingthetruth.com. And also, if anybody wants to connect with me and, you know, ask me anything about this, talk about it further, they can, they can reach me through the website, followingthetruth.com. Followingthetruth.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Andrew Swafford joins us next. It's 11 till. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. 
Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brosartpharmacy.com. When you donate your car to St. Vincent de Paul of Cincinnati, you are showing your care by making it a vehicle for hope to transform lives. Your donation of a car, truck, or RV helps provide basic needs to struggling neighbors, and they'll pick it up for free. Find out more at 421care.org. It's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible series using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. You can pick up a copy of your own to study along with us at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And joining us again for our study today, Dr. Andrew Swafford, one of the contributors to this guide. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Annie. Great to be with you. It is great to have you back. And uh, today we are going to be talking about the first book of Samuel. How does this serve as as sort of a transitional book in the Old Testament? Yeah, it does. Uh, it was a move kind of from the Judges period uh, with the, toward the, uh, the rise of, well, Saul first, but then ultimately David. David takes center stage and the rise of the Davidic kingdom and that that will dominate really the rest of the Old Testament narrative, the rise and fall and hope for the Davidic kingdom's uh, restoration. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned two of them. Who are who are some of the major characters that we're introduced to in this book? Yeah, you know, Samuel's such a, I mean, it's really a, a literary masterpiece. I mean, yeah. You have all these, you have this pairs of characters often too, right? So we've got Eli and then Samuel in this kind of transition. And, and they're kind of, you know, um, I mean, they're heroic characters in many ways, but then both both have wicked sons, and that sets up the demand for kingship, and you have the rise of Saul and David, and you've got Nathan in there. So I'm not, well, Nathan, of course, later on, uh, but I was thinking of Jonathan, um, the son of Saul, who becomes a friend of David. So it's, it's really this back and forth, uh, lots of characters, uh, lots of intrigue, but it's really a, a transition from the judges' period, um, the temporary rise of Saul, and from Saul to David. And will you take us through the basic story of First Samuel? What are the key events that we need to know about and focus on when we're reading it? Well, you know, it, it starts out, um, you, the uh, Ark of the Covenant is taken, captured by the Philistines. You know, so it just starts out kind of kind of tragic uh, with Eli, and Eli hears about the Ark, and his, his sons are killed, and he falls over and dies. He's so devastated that the Ark of the Covenant was taken captive. Um, and then, uh, you know, as, as it moves in, and the people in First Samuel uh, 8, it's, it's partly because of um, Samuel's sons being wicked. They said, we, we want a king. And, and there's this tension in the Bible of, of, of human kingship. Is it good? Is it bad? Uh, and and there's, there's really some delicate balance here. But the, the request that people make, they say, we want a king like all the nations. We want to be like all the other nations. And we want a king specifically to fight our battles for us. And one of the deep themes of the Old Testament is that the Lord fights Israel's battles. Now, if you go back to Exodus 14, 14, be still, the Lord will fight for you. Uh, the key is not their political strength, it's, it's, it's their faithfulness. Uh, but they want to rely on human, human kingship here to fight their battles. And so um, and this is what gives rise to Saul. And that, you know, there's a tragic story in its own, its own right. Uh, so like chapters 8 through 15, really kind of the rise of Saul and, uh, and also the downfall of Saul. And Saul is kind of a tragic figure in his own right. He's kind of insecure, lacking for confidence. 
um, but then kind of rash and hasty and, uh, you know, commits this unlawful sacrifice and at least the famous passage from Samuel that obedience is greater than sacrifice. And then, then you have David's anointing in chapter 16, um, this, this youthful David, um, the youngest son. This is the man after my own heart. The Lord says anoint him. And then he defeats Goliath in chapter 17. And, and really the rest from there on is kind of the transition from Saul to David. And the book ends with Saul's death on Mount Gilboa in chapter 31. Mm. And and in this book, I mean, we as as Christians, we obviously, we have the gift that is the fullness of revelation in Jesus Christ, right? We, in this book, with that, with that fullness of revelation, can start to see glimmers of God's plan for salvation, can't we? No, no, no kidding. No, one thing we would be remiss that I mentioned is, is Hannah and uh, the song of oh, Hannah in yes. chapter two. So Hannah, Hannah, who's like another a number of uh, stories like this where she's barren and she prays and she she you know she becomes the mother of Samuel this sort of miraculous birth um, she, previously she couldn't she couldn't bear children and her name uh, you know Hannah's Hannah from the root Chen which is grace in Hebrew and the song of Hannah in chapter two there are so many parallels with Mary's Magnificat and so we've got our blessed lady her you know hail full of grace and Hannah whose name means grace and there's all these parallels. Um, so and it really just shows us how deeply our our blessed mother was was you know versed and steeped in scripture that she would burst down of this magnificat this song uh, which has all these kind of overtones and echoes and allusions to the song of Hannah. Um, yeah, it's just I mean it's just beautiful to see and uh, to think about our, you know our blessed mother, um, you know obviously praying through this this text, knowing this song very well, and then making it her own. Um, you know, in these opening scenes in Luke's gospel. Yeah, for sure. So what are some of the key themes that we need to keep in mind as we're reading First Samuel? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, moral lessons, for one, in terms of um, just, you know, like what the, the real humility is rooted in real confidence, and Saul's lacking that. Um, you know, some people think that uh, I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings, that Denethor uh, is partly modeled off of yeah. uh, Saul. Interesting, um, but, but really, the rise—the the rise of David, the rise of the kingdom, this, this transition um, from the judges' period uh, as we move in kind of from the Mosaic age to the Davidic age, um, and then these unlikely heroes. Right? We mentioned David as this uh, shepherd boy from Bethlehem. You know, he's, he's the youngest son. He's not the one. And then, uh, you know, and then the anointing too. So the, the word for anointing there, Hebrews, is mashach, the verb, and. The one who's anointed is the Mashiach, and as David's anointed, the Spirit comes upon him, right? So we want to see in this prefigurations of both our baptism, our confirmation, but our Lord at, at, at the Jordan River, anointed with the Spirit, um, and the Messiah is anointed with the Spirit to give the rest of us the Spirit of God. Yeah. And what is the nature of the King to be in the image and after the likeness of God, who is the true Amen. King? First uh, Samuel is what we've been talking about with Dr. Andrew Swafford today. If you'd like to pick up a copy of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, and I recommend it, uh, you can find it through ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament and linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Andrew, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes, all the best. God bless. You too. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for this Tuesday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. God bless. 
For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hard-working professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience and fit up in welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. I'm Father Jacob Vergis from St. Peter and Paul, California, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown or get the app. Stream.